Our podcast where we talk about all horror, not just the vintage kind. I'm your host, Kyle, and with me today I have Brady, hey, Mark, hello, and Rob. Hey there. Today we'll be discussing Scream 3 from the year 2000, 2K. Uh, but first, we're going to crack a cold one open with the boys. It's a little early to be cracking a cold one, but uh, yeah, no, a, I feel like a whisper. I have neighbors, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, Rob, what's what you've been up to? Uh, not a lot of crazy stuff. Just a little home improvement stuff here and there. Um, still planning a wedding, which I find every time I plan something different, it just gets more and more expensive. But that's the name of the game, right? Um, you think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of like stuff that I was interested in this week that I thought, you know, was uh, a little sad, but also, um, you know, a little controversial. Uh, you guys know I'm a big Godzilla fan. So the film composer for one of my favorite Godzilla films, he I found out that he, he died. And um, I did not realize, but uh, he was also the composer for some of the original Dragon Quest games. Mm. And he is mired in a lot of controversy. And I just, uh, I apparently to the point of like he um, is a war crimes denier. Like, oh, anti-vaxxer. Know, like, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he's, you know, save apparently... everyone time to, to instead of like them Googling, just say anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> um, and apparently he made some, uh, some comments about gender, which can get you in trouble these days. Uh, so in Japan, he, unfortunately, his legacy of being a fantastic composer was unfortunately mired by some questionable commentary that he had made. Uh, that, that being said though, he still remains his, the music that he wrote for that, the particular Godzilla film is one of my favorite cause it's so unique from all the others. Um, so definitely sad to go see him go, but you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of what's happening now, right? Like most of those Godzilla films like were made in the seventies and eighties. And, you know, uh, a lot of the guys who worked on those original classics are all kind of passing on or have already passed on, but nonetheless, you know, a little, little sad news in that regard. But other than that, pretty, pretty boring, nothing too crazy going on. I bought the mass effect legendary edition. So I'm playing back through my favorite game trilogy of all time. Is that like new? Is that did they just like, I never um, played that. Did they um, uh, redo it, like, the graphics, make it HD and stuff? Yeah, so the first game they really overhauled because that game is quite old. Yeah. Uh, so they really overhauled it, and they actually... Um, I'm pretty sure they removed the old interface system and, like, the old control system and, like, updated it with the one they used in later Mass Effect games. Because mm-hmm. the combat in the first game was clunky. Like, 
it was not good. Um, it, the, the kind of the story and everything made up for it, but like when you went back and played it against the other two, it was very, very clear. It was not not done well. So they really fixed that. And the cool thing is, is that like the legendary edition included all forty all forty DLC from the original like launch release. All the graphics have been polished and brought up to higher resolution specs. The frame rates are better. And when you have all three games like tied in nicely, the story progression is a lot more. I've never actually played all three games like in a row. So now I feel like I'm getting the whole story in one solid progression. Yeah, I've never so, played Mass Effect. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, think I, I have the first and third one on, on Xbox. I highly I'll recommend try it. To me, it to me, it's probably the best sci-fi story-driven game ever made right alongside halo um halo the thing with halo is halo relies a lot on outside lore a lot of the time like to get the real meat of everything but i think the difference is is when you're playing mass effect you get this really cool like like overarching deep story that you would kind of get in like a fantasy game like a like a regular rpg right but you're getting it in a sci-fi setting where Halo, you get the act, the sci-fi action adventure hero story, and that cinematic story too. So I, I put them up there, two of the best. Looking forward to the new Halo coming out. If anybody wants to play some Slayer, mm. playing the other day. Where were we at? So <laughs> um, that would be on Game Pass, though. So me and Kyle can play. I have Game are Pass. They, oh, you do? Are, okay, yeah. Are they releasing that for uh, only Series X, or is that going to be available on this on Xbox uh, One? I don't know. I feel like it's a series. It's like that was supposed to be a Series X launch title, so I don't know. It might be just that, like on there. I could be yeah, wrong cause, though, because I have Game Pass, so I'm really looking forward to that. But that's it. So uh, I think I'm going to shoot it over to Brady. Oh God! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what he did. Nothing really going on. Yeah, just working, going to school, watching TV. Um, still in Spooktober, so been watching, trying to do one horror movie a day. Uh, it's not really working out, but you know, I start. It's rough, I, I, it? it's rough, but I also like started um, counting TV shows like episodes as movies just for sake of time. Like I started watching the new "I Know What You Did Last Summer" series on Amazon, uh, the new Chucky series. I watched the, um. Slumber Party Massacre sci-fi movie. So, yeah, how was that? I, I didn't know that it. came out I yet. Watch it yet. I liked it. Oh, good. Oh, so we can talk about it once you guys watch it. If you watch it, I thought it was good. I thought the guy that um, they cast as the villain was like super creepy and respectful of the original. So, how's the Chucky series? Um, it's fine. I guess Brad Dorf is back as the voice, which is really nice. Yeah, but... I feel watching the trailer it just seems like they're just doing it to do it, you know? Like I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. There's only two episodes, and I'm halfway through the second one, and it just I, nothing. Everything that I keep seeing in it takes me out of it. So, mm-hmm. is it a weekly thing? Yeah, they come out with. Is it only what is it on? Um, USA, it's on right? sci-fi. Uh, oh, those... sci-fi. I thought, but. Um, you're right. You're right. You're right. I watch it on Hulu. But I think gotcha. USA owns Sci-Fi. Maybe that's why I think it was on USA. I think you might be right. Yeah. But yeah. Other than that, um, yeah. Really, my life is just very boring. 
full of well, movies. You guys went to Salem, didn't you? We went to Salem and we went to um, Marblehead. Went to Castle Rock, which is full of rich people. But there's a part that you can walk out on these rocks and just look at the ocean. That was pretty cool. Salem was great, but me being a dumbass, completely. I wanted to go there because it was October, and then when I got there, I was like, what the fuck are all these people in witch hats doing here? <laughs> like, the amount of <laughs> fake witch hats and those Hocus are real Pocus witches t-shirts. That, yeah, those are like, real. real witches. What are you those weren't real about? witches. Well, they were ugly enough to be a, real witches. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we, just got, we just got banned. Yeah, but, yeah, it was, it was fun. But the amount of Hocus Pocus shirts and witch hats... And purple hair I saw were pretty intense. It was still fun though. Overwhelming. Yeah, it was fun though. Uh, you know, we had been up there before COVID, and so we hit up all the museums. So this kind, of, this time we just kind of walked around and that's cool. Saw some cool things, and there was um an international monster museum inside, like the strip mall, and I was like, oh, this could be cool. And nobody was in line. And I got there and they were like, yeah, it's $45 a person. I was like, yep, no thanks. <laughs> this is why no one's here. <laughs> right. What? I was like, how big is it? And they were like, oh, it's like a five-minute walkthrough. And I was like, okay, $45 for five-minute walkthrough. That's cool. Wow. So uh, if anybody out there has gone to it, just let me know if it was worth it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's it for me. What about you, Mark? What's going on? Uh, not much. Like playing a lot of Diablo. I I totally forgot Diablo two came out. I've been playing a lot of that, and um, I feel like since Rob said he's playing Mass Effect, they just like remake games and just throw them back in our face. <laughs> like I remember playing Diablo two like twenty years ago, and now I'm like addicted to it again. Twenty years later, playing it, it's wild. Uh, me, Kyle, and our friend Rachel just went to Monster Mania in Oaks, PA yesterday. Only met Peyton think, List. Yeah, I think it's like Phoenixville, but. How was Phoenixville, that? whatever. Oh, Phoenixville. Um, yeah, it was all right. Um, the one thing I did not like is where the like celebrities are. There was like a little food court, so it just smelled like dirty fried food in there. Mm. It, it did this, smell like that. It didn't smell good. Like I don't know why they would do that to the stars, you know, Kyle. Yeah. Um, I'll let I'll let talk about Kyle how that went with that. You can talk about <laughs> it. Go ahead. What do you? Think I thought. I don't know. I don't know. We just met Peyton List. She was nice. Uh, talked a lot. Kyle looked like a fucking tomato, but what are you going to do? Can't help it, man. I'm in I don't know if it was just so hot in there. Nah, but... it definitely wasn't hot. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys ever, do you guys watch TikTok or no? Any of you like see TikToks? Uh, I see TikToks that my wife sends me. Do you ever, well, there's one, on, there's one that people always do, and it's like, bro, who got you smiling or something like that? Or who got you whatever it is? That's what, that was Kyle. It's like, uh, I guess yeah. it's supposed to be a, a, a video of you take a picture of your significant other or a video of them. Yeah. Oh, and, well, yeah, Kyle like... almost smiled in his picture. So <laughs> yeah, I was right? like, man, she cracked him. I thought you were going to talk about uh, that fucking person who was um, like recording that TikTok with Jacob and how fucking awkward that was. I don't know, man. He's uh, into that, man. That's cool, man. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't terrible, but it was like we got there, I think, what, 12 o'clock and then we stood in line for an hour and then we had like two hours before her photo up, which Kyle yeah. got, but which was like sucked. But I feel like they could have did a better job with it. Like it's a huge space. Like it's a convention hall and they didn't, didn't get enough vendors, people though. or vendors like yeah. to make it like 
where I don't think they'll do it again next year because usually it's just at a hotel by um, in Cherry Hill. Um, so yeah, but other than that, we have Rodon Comic Con coming up um, in two weeks. Are you yeah, coming to weeks. meet us, Brady? Yeah, I'll come Brady, meet you. Brady probably has work. It's a Saturday. Well, I mean, I don't work until five, so yeah. What? I don't know how far you live from um, Providence. Uh, about uh, a little over an hour. So, yeah. Other than that, not too much going on. Just got vacation coming up. Not really going anywhere. Mm. Just happy not to be working. Bit of a staycation. Yeah, I was trying to go like to North Carolina next week to see the uh, Charlotte Hornets play, but I did not do that because it's like so expensive to fly there. But to fly home, it's cheap. So, but um, other than that, nothing much. What's going on with you, Kyle? Not a lot, man. Um, I've been editing, watching stuff, and recording with y'all for the most part. Um, you know, besides work and such and such. Um, finally got my car back mm. from that fucking asshole deer. RIP to that deer. We hope you're in a better I place. I think we saw now. him yesterday on the road. <laughs> no. I hope he's in a better place. <laughs> yeah, better place like fucking hell, you piece of shit. Um, well, at least he's yeah, warm. I got my car back. It just smells like paint, though. So, Oh, that's the worst. Um, yeah. Did you get it done at a local body shop or uh, Tony's, which is over by like where Trav used to live? Okay. It's like right by the Loveland Town Bridge. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, I got it done there. Yeah, they've been there uh, a long time. Yeah. And they're they were pretty nice for I guess a garage or whatever the fuck they are, auto body shop. They're um, I don't think a lot of those people are very friendly. So when they say like hello and here you go, I hope it is okay. Like, I don't know. That's nicer <laughs> than most. Hello. Yeah, really when nice. they greet like, you at the door. Yeah, usually, usually it's pay me and get out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Usually it's uh, it's nothing. They just look at you. Yeah, and grunt. <laughs> well, they, they handed me some keys and like it was like a clearly like a woman's keychain. I I'm not. I just assumed because it had like all these different keys on it and it had like this like one keychain that looked girly and like they handed it to me. I said this is not mine. They're like, yeah, it makes sense. There's too many keys here and they like brought it back <laughs> and then they came back. Oh, I was no. like, all right, thank you. Um. But yeah, when this releases, I'll probably be in a uh, Disney next week. So Doubt I'm it. hoping to be there, or I'm hoping to release this uh, on Halloween. So happy Halloween, everybody! If it's Halloween, if it's not, oh then, yeah, it was my birthday too. Happy birthday, Mark! Yeah, it was Mark's birthday. Oh, yeah, happy birthday, Mark! We already talked about Mark though, so fucking he missed his opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I did miss my opportunity. I just have a small <laughs> brain. Um, we went to Olive Garden for his birthday. Uh, a nice. bunch of us. Um, yeah, Brady and Rob weren't invited. It happens. Uh, right. uh, but yeah, hopefully I'll be in uh, Disney when this releases. If not, sorry, it's not Halloween anymore and we missed that spot. Uh, <laughs> I did close on the loan to refinance my house. I should be getting some money Very nice. soon. Very nice. Um, yep, so I can pay off a lot of my debts and then I won't be as broke all the time. And uh, yeah, like Mark said, we went to Monster Mania yesterday, met Peyton List. She's very approachable, Mark put it. Like, she's easy to talk to. Like, she's like way more willing to talk to people than I thought, honestly. And she's a lot nicer than I thought she'd be. Um, And yeah, as soon as she started talking to me, I did turn into a tomato. I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't know. It was cool. You guys said it was in Phoenixville, technically. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's the Expo Center at uh in the Greater Philadelphia at Oaks or something. I don't know, dude. It's like a long fucking name. Yeah, we uh 
that's where Justin and I would always go after Mahoning to Phoenixville, mm-hmm. like downtown. And that's where the Colonial Theater is, where they filmed The Blob from the 50s. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we should have won. That's where I he totally just went and saw about um, the Thorn Trilogy. He saw They showed the Thorn Trilogy, so he drove all the way oh, up there to see it. That's where I was? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Great place. Yeah. I, we weren't in like a downtown area, though. We were just like the, the Expo Center's like off in the back somewhere. Yeah. I don't know, off the main road. But um, there was a Taco Bell like right there when we pulled into like that area, so got Taco Bell before we left. Um, What'd you get? Stomachache? Yeah, <laughs> dog shit. <laughs> Diarrhea. Taco Bell that was the worst ass. Taco Bell hands down, honestly. That might have been worse than the New York um, uh, train station one. The rat steak? Rat steak, yeah. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah Penn, Penn Station, Taco Bell, bad. Very bad. This one was worse. I don't know. I've never had a problem there, but um, but yeah, I don't know. Monster Mania. I, so with that place, they I like that they had it at a place like that because everyone's not on top of each other i and i don't know if it's it's hard to tell if there's as many people that normally go to monster mania but there's more than i thought would be there i can tell you that but like because it's so spread out but they look like they had maybe half the vendors and i don't know if that's because it's a bigger space and it's hard to tell but like i think they could have fit a few more in there and uh it would give you more time to walk around who all was there like who were the big names obviously peyton list christina ritchie was the biggest no, oh, I can't wow. go by Briggs. His line was like insane too. But on their site, like she was yeah. at the top though, and like nobody was in her line because one, she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, she's pregnant woman. Two, well, I'm saying two, <laughs> she like does like uh, no table photos. She said even though she was taking them with people, but she wasn't removing her mask. And I think they had to wear their mask, so it's like, uh, yeah, weird. Um, and then her like photo ops, they have plexiglass between you, so. I think a lot of people ain't down with that. Um, they said you had to wear your mask there, but uh, like about half the people weren't. I'd say more maybe than half. More than half, yeah. I'd say like ninety percent of people did not have a mask on. Yeah, even the like guy who runs the thing like didn't have a mask on. So yeah, so that's good. I mean, I didn't have one on either, but I said that's it. Oh, dude, at uh, Alaire last night, somebody like told us they were like, "Yeah, mask it or casket." I said, "Dude, down with that." Mask it or casket? Oh, Nick Castle was there. James Jude Courtney. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the guy who plays the fucking new don't, don't he? Don't. I don't even kind of looks like him, but I like, heard he wasn't he, even the makeup. I heard that it was just like him. There was some makeup, yeah. No, there was makeup. <laughs> oh, I yeah. heard that he was like, in the makeup, good, man. I'm pretty sure. Oh, not, was not, there. not yeah, at the convention. Not at the convention. He wasn't in it. What? You're saying at the convention he was? Yeah, in the at the convention yeah, he no. wasn't in it. So what's he the point? He just had the must, the goatee, whatever he had. He's just a contractor that showed up there. Yeah, and said like... we're going to pay you stupid amounts of money to meet you. <laughs> Dude, people are using their VIP for him. Yeah. No, I don't know if that's true, but um, yeah, well, I don't know. Christine, was... the car was there. Did you guys see Christine, the car from? And the Halloween car. Okay, well, I was talking about Christine, the car. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. I think Halloween and Christine. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was. It was all right. I, I like that they had it in that kind of place because I don't like being on top of each other like in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah, I just wish there was um, more celebrities. And I wish it was closer. We shouldn't have to drive an hour and a half, even though it's probably only a couple minutes closer than like Cherry Hill. <laughs> Further, honestly. you mean? Further, yeah, yeah. My bad. But hmm. I still like, yeah, I don't want to drive ever. Oh, the Hocus Pocus kid was there. First con ever. Yeah. Ooh. He doesn't even look the same. <laughs> Dude, I don't even know who the fuck you're talking about. Max. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Max, he's the yeah, fucking honestly, like main kid movie in like Hocus Pocus. Fifteen years. 
Yeah, but I I don't even know what what's the celebrity's name. I don't know where the star's uh, name. Sorry, he's a star. He's a Omri star. Katz. Yeah, he doesn't even look the same at all. I remember seeing him. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was cool. He was near, he was next to Christina Ritchie. Oh, uh, that makes sense then. What's up, Rob? I was gonna ask, has anybody? Uh, I forgot to ask this before, but has anybody seen the um, series on Netflix, the movies that made us? I watched uh, one of them it. on like Halloween, Home Alone. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah they, they have season two, and they have Halloween. Alien. Oh, do they? Fr- they have Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. On Street. Really? Yep. Uh, the you Exorcist. Must have it out. I have to check that out. Yeah, I mean they're they're a little corny. I mean I don't like any of those. I movies. like them. Um, like the the the. I, I would say, like, if you're looking for, like, an ultra-serious, in-depth documentary, that's not what you're going to get. Like, you're not going to get, like, this, like, deep one, two-hour expose documentary. You're going to get 45 minutes. It does a pretty good job going in-depth in on the films and then just some some funny, like, you know, surface-level humor here and there. I, I liked it, though. I, I watched the one on Halloween, and um, I, learned, I didn't know that. I learned some things about Halloween. I didn't. I, I pretty, pretty much knew all that. Yeah, I was going to say, I know so much about Halloween. Also, I'm saying, like, like, for you guys, like, I feel like a lot of it's review. For me, it was some cool new information yeah. I never heard before. I think Sam was getting mad when we were watching it because, like, every time someone would show up on screen, I'd be like, oh, this is that. this person. I know this. I knew that. I was like, they're going to talk I'm about Kyle. this. I'm going to talk about how they did this. In the side. He's like, oh, okay, they would say that. She's yeah. like, why did I put this on if we're not watching it? I like, knew that before the documentary. They should just have me on there. Yeah, they should have. Dude, they have fucking um, Sean Clark, and it says horror expert. I said, dude, I know who that is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's it for me. Um, let's move into the top three this week, or this episode, whatever the fuck it is. You know how it goes. Uh, this is the top three third installments to movie franchises. No, I changed my Some already. of us did horror, some of us didn't. I so did all horror, so. I did both. Uh, um, so we'll just, you know. We'll go with the horror. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have. Well, I just. Few, I just uh, figured with that, like, it's so. Rob hard would probably do, no, it's not even that. Rob shit. would probably do Lord of the Rings because you love Lord of the Rings, right? One of those is on my original list. Yeah. See, yeah, like I know people. I wonder which one it is. <laughs> the third one. <laughs> probably one that's fucking like eight hours long. Isn't like the director's cut or the extended version of one of them it's like, like nine four hours, or five hours, or something like that? Uh. All three extended edition films go well over three hours. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. we used to watch them if we ever got like snowed in. My family would just. What, would you torture yourself? You had snowed in at your house. How yeah. funny! <laughs> Back in America, <laughs> call the FBI. All right, um, I'll I'll go first because I I hate this list. Honestly, it makes me so <laughs> sad like looking at this list. Um, so my number three is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three Dream Warriors. The dream war, and some people might be like, "What? That's only number three? Yeah, it's only number three, dog. Sorry, honestly, that movie to me, like, I know everyone like loves it, but it's just I don't get the hype. It's good. I don't dislike it, but it's not better than the first one. When I see people say that, that's what I'm saying. When people say that, they need to get cut. I like Dream Masters better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. fourth one's better. I like two better too. So yeah. Really, just the first four, I think, are great. But when people say I Dream Child's good, I'm like, okay, what are we talking about here? <laughs> I mean, I think New Nightmare is the best, but that's just me. Okay, Rob, you no longer allowed on this podcast. I don't care who you are. That's a shot at Justin too. I think Freddy's Dead is the best one. Freddy Dead is good. You, everyone's such a pussy that doesn't like that movie. <laughs> All right, uh, I guess we'll go to Mork. Mork number three. So. 
Originally, my number three was going to be Spider-Man 3 because I thought we were just doing all, any franchise. You know, I well, love Spider-Man 3. That is a scary one. It's got it's scary elements. It's dark. Yeah, Venom's scary. But um, my number three, I guess, would be would be would uh, have to be uh, Day of the Dead. If I'm assuming that's a trilogy, right? Yeah. The, yep. It's a little slow at times, but uh, I think there's a, uh, in that movie, there's a lot... Um, there's better stuff happening than like, I don't know. I, I can't explain it, but I think you understand what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, m- better stuff happens than worse stuff. That makes sense. I can't like figure out the words to put that together. Yeah. It's, I, I like it a lot day. It's like, um, but like you said, when there are some slow parts, like I cannot watch that at night. Yeah. By myself. You, right, you should have watched that yeah. last night, Brady. I should have, <laughs> but yeah. So day of the dead. What about uh, Rob? What about what's your third, third, uh, or am I so, doing it in a wrong order? I don't know how you're. No, you just do it whatever order you want. Oh, I thought you were we're going in a certain the, way. I don't know how you're. Nope, we're Sorry. all just. I just decided to mix it up. Uh, and I wouldn't say more. We're doing so. it live. We're doing it live. Um. So my number three is just gonna piss everybody off. Uh, it's uh, Hellraiser three. I was gonna say oh that. God, you I are knew, such a fuck. When I was going through my list, I was. <laughs> There's oh. no way that's fucking real. You fucking liar. No, Nobody like likes Hellraiser, Hellraiser 3. No, you fucking don't. I like it better than Hellraiser 1 and 2. Oh, I never oh. seen Hellraiser 2 or 3. So. so Hellraiser 2, I love just because of the expanded setting and stuff like that. And it's got a lot more going on. But Hellraiser 3, I don't know. That's where like Doug Bradley basically runs that movie top to bottom. Like That's his big feature, at least in my opinion. I think... I could be wrong. I feel like he has more screen time in that movie than he does in many of the other uh, films of the franchise. And um, I think it was like the last one before it all went mega, mega downhill, even though like it started at the bottom of the hill, according to you guys, and never left. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's my number three. Hellraiser 3. I just think it's fun. It's goofy. There's a cool church scene and uh, he uh, mocks the crucifixion and it's kind of funny to watch, but I like it. All right, funny Brad, what's your number three? Uh, I went with The Exorcist 3. Um, I really like the original Exorcist. I think most horror fans do. Um, And it's one of those movies that actually genuinely scares me and terrifies me still to this day. Um, But The Exorcist 3, I thought, was able to recapture a lot of what made the first one scary. And I love Brad Dorff. I think he's great in it. Um, George C. Scott is awesome too as the lead detective um yeah I, I just think it's a fun movie and for a third movie especially in like the exorcist series where you don't really think of them as getting stronger as they go on i think that one is not the same level as the first one but definitely very close to it so i hear that a lot i hear people yeah. like the third one a lot it's really good i think it's um free on hbo max right now so you guys have that check it out sure do kyle what's your second okay my number two is friday the 13th part three why are you saying that like you don't want to say that d has to be in 3d it's way better in 3d that movie is very fucking corny but in 3d top notch love it it makes it so much more enjoyable um, it gives me a headache for the first 10 minutes, but then I get used to my headache and I say, okay, now I can do this. Uh, <laughs> but 
I feel like if you watch without the 3D, the colors are so muted anyway because of the 3D that it's almost like, I don't know, there's no point in watching. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, but yeah. There's I, no I, point in watching that movie anyways. It sucks. Okay. hate that wow, movie. You're fucking dumb. <laughs> it's dumb. in the bottom of the franchise for me, but we, we can talk about this one day. Next thing somebody's going to say Jaws 3D is good. I would watch it. I'd watch it. it off my list. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to regular franchises. Let's right, go back Mark, to, let's what's your number two? So my number two is also Friday the 13th Part 3D. That's one of my favorite ones. It's like top three. Brady's going to quit. So I got to say, it's not the best movie, but it's so it rewatchable to me. It is. It has so much yeah. like memorable I remember the first time quotes. I watched it. I said, I, I honestly don't like this movie. And I think yeah, I remember you Mark. said that. Yeah, we were because you were. I think you guys, you and Sam were watching all of them at one time. And I remember when you got upset when you said, "Yeah, I, like never liked this movie." Then afterwards, you're like it's not actually bad at all. Yeah, and especially when you, I think I didn't watch it in 3D, and then when I watched it in 3D, I was like, "This makes a lot more sense." And like, it's it's a fun movie. It's easy yeah. to watch too. Yeah. And the hockey mask, man. Yeah, you get the hockey mask, Brady. Without, you without racist. part three, there's no Jason Voorhees hockey mask. There's just sackhead, creepy Jason, sackhead and mom. Dude, we saw him yesterday. Yeah, the real one, Warrington Gillette or whatever. Well, he was there, but he's was the original he? sack boy. Yeah, yeah he was. In, he was supposed anybody. to be in costume. Oh, I didn't know anybody was there. No, there was just some guy walking around as part two sackhead. But, but Jason. Will, whatever that guy's name was, was there from part two or part gotcha. three? Yeah. But yeah, so Rob, number three. Two. Two. Sorry. My friend, we're doing three. So my now. number two for number three is... Uh, <laughs> we're going to do our third of the top three for the third installment. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's Army of Darkness. I, right I like the original Evil Dead series. Um, you know, two's pretty good. One's really good. But like I, Army of Darkness, I mean, it's even hard. So for some people, won't even classify it as a horror film because it moves more into it, like action comedy. So there are people out there who won't look at it as a horror film, but I mean, there's a lot of like ghoulish, typical like Raimi elements of the film. I guess a very Raimi film when you look mm -hmm. at it. And uh, I don't know. I just love Bruce Campbell. I think he does an amazing job. I love the setting, like just so wild going back into like medieval times and the whole boomstick thing and everything. I don't know. I just, I love that movie. I can go back and rewatch that any day of the week. Uh, I always die laughing uh, at the scene where the, army of the uh deadites is kind of like walking marching on the castle and then like there's the crappy puppet skeletons playing the drum and the fiddle like marching and it's like so bad but i i love it that movie's got so many cornball moments but it's perfect i wouldn't change a thing so, i could never get into that movie it's it's goofy I, like i say it's just goofy but i like it so that's my number two all right funny brad <laughs> uh i went with red dragon is my second number three. This you guys seen it? Yeah, you guys isn't it a fucking prequel? No, I've never seen it. Edward Norton is in that one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I like it. Um, dark. It's very dark. It's very dark. Yeah, and very sinister. And there's one kill in that, especially that I'm like, oh damn. There's only one. <laughs> yeah, just one kill in that that you know really seals the deal. Yeah. Um, oh no, yeah, it's good. But I think it's really good, and I think that that's rewatchable. Re um, I recently went through the whole series and then started the show. Did you watch um, uh, the other one, Manhunter? Yeah, the original one. Yeah. 
That one was really uh, good. I actually think that's better than Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I mean, I tried to, the Lambs, but then Red Dragon. Yeah, I watched all of them the one a couple years ago, and then I went back and tried to watch that, and I couldn't do it because um, like it? Anthony Hop- Anthony Hopkins wasn't in it, so I'm like, I can't do this. I, I thought Brian Cox did a really good job, though. Would you say, Kyle? I think I said I think that's a lot of people's problems. Like people just like love Anthony Hopkins so much that they can't go back and watch that. He does yeah. a good job, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Kyle. What's your number one? I don't think it's a big surprise, but it's a uh, Halloween three. I mean, I have. Oh the most my god! No way. Yeah, Halloween three, man. I just had the most interesting list up here, so that's why I wanted to go first. Get it out of the way. Let let the uh, bore get over with, and you guys can just move on without me. So yeah, what do you like about love it? What do you What do you like about Halloween three? Uh, mostly the part where she says, "Like, what do you want to do, Doctor Chalice?" No, um, <laughs> that is your favorite part. I know it is. That's no, a good it's impression. Not. That's not. I know. I watched it many times. But, <laughs> um, I just hit like back, back, back on that part just a million times. No, um, I love uh, Tom Atkins. Obviously, I loved uh, like the whole villainous character of Connell Cochran. I think that he's a great villain, even if the, I don't know where his plan leads to like okay all the kids are dead now what <laughs> like i don't i don't know what that does actually I don't know there'll be more kids at one point right i don't know if their power just goes to Sawin and that's it like they're good for another hundred years or whatever it is but um i don't know the masks are iconic uh it's a very goofy movie but the score is really good i like it all and that's it so mark number one please my number one is Scream 3. There you go. But we're about to review Scream 3, so I don't want to talk about it too much. Yeah, I guess that's an honorable mention for me. That's why I left it off. Um, yeah, yeah, I was I was going to leave it off, but like, I feel like it wouldn't be true to myself just picking something else. Because I was going to pick Dream Warriors, too, and then I'm like, then I was thinking about it. What do I like more? Like, Not Dream Warriors for my number one, but it would be my number three, so everything would just move up. Mm-hmm. But I think Day- I, li- I think I like Day of the Dead more than Dream Warriors. So wow, that's surprising to me. Well, I like Dream Warriors. I, I get, it, but I don't. I don't know. It's not Nightmare yeah. One. So or Nightmare Two. I think Nightmare Two is better. I thought about putting Day Day of the Dead on mine too. Like mm-hmm. I was heavily considering that, but I was like, if I and or Sleepaway Camp Three. Um, but mm-hmm. I was like, when it came down to it, though, what would I watch first? And it would probably be. Nightmare 3, because it's an easier watch, and I think both of those as fun as Sleepaway Camp 3 is. Mm-hmm. And then stuff like, I've never seen third installments of like uh, Poltergeist or The Exorcist or uh, I don't know, Critters. Critters know. with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and he says shit a lot. Yeah, I just, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of thirds that I yeah. haven't seen, so. Yeah, I haven't seen Exorcist 3 in like 10 years, probably. I, don't, I honestly don't remember what happens in it. You should revisit it. It's good. Yeah, I did. Well, I did the one. I did like one weekend, like extra one, two, and three, and it just like two and three kind of blend together for me. Yep. The heretic. Mm. What's it like to be a heretic if you're five, five, five? Then I'm six, six, six. Right. That was a chance. <laughs> chance right. for oh, everyone well, to well. fucking say it together. You cunts. Um. All right, Rob. What was your number three? <laughs> uh, you mean my number one? Number three? Number one. Jesus Christ! I'm an idiot. <laughs> this whole number three things. Uh, Making my brain hurt. Small. Go back to sleep, yeah. Mark. Uh, fine, so bro. my number one, number three is technically so okay. It's technically not the third film ever made in the franchise, but it's the third film in the new and like a new sequence of timelines that was made. 
Um, so you guys know I'm a big Godzilla fan, and I mentioned the composer at the beginning of the uh, podcast, but it is Godzilla versus Violante from 1989. Uh, to kind of just give short background, obviously the first film in 54 was a hit. It tended to be uh, you know, a horror monster movie classic. But a lot of the subsequent sequels to the 60s and 70s got goofier and goofier and goofier and became more like Godzilla being a superhero and fighting other monsters or the creature of the week kind of deal. And in 1984, after a hiatus, they kind of rebooted the series and basically said, hey, this film called Return of Godzilla is the direct sequel to the original. We're ignoring everything that came before. It's a whole new timeline. That's it. You know, they Halloweened it. Mm. Very much so. Very much so. Is this and... the one with um, Matthew Broderick? No. <laughs> so fucking dumb. You knew that, you stupid piece of shit. That was so, good. Um, then in 1989, after Return of Godzilla was much like was much darker in tone, this film came out, and it actually uh, was the result of a script writing contest. They kind of ran out of ideas and didn't know where to go with the <laughs> franchise. And they were like, eh, I don't know what to do here. So they got a script from a dentist. That's and they looked, at, they looked it over and they were like, there's some elements in here that are like really, really, really good. So they kind of adopted his script and cut it up and moved it around. And what they came up with, and a lot of the fans of the series will say, is probably the most unique and possibly one of the best, in my opinion, it's the best of all of them, uh, films in the whole series. I don't want to talk too much more about it because hopefully at some point I can start doing a little bit of kaiju stuff here and there. And uh, this is definitely a film I want to, I want to do because it's to me, it's incredible, but the score, the tone, the special effects, and honestly, some of the plot points, like stuff in the Godzilla series going forward, even stuff that made it into the American cuts, like the new King of the monsters and Godzilla vs Kong, like a lot of the Easter eggs and plot points were started in that film. And so uh, it, it remains probably my favorite Godzilla film of all time and definitely my top number three in a, in a horror series. I think that's uh, what Halloween Kills did, too. I think they just went to a dentist and said, like, what should we put in this movie? And they said, uh, I don't know, Evil Dies Tonight. And they're like, damn, that sounds good. Let's do it. Evil Dies Tonight. Hey, listen, I know you're I, it's like I know you got Novocaine, but can I just record your voice 45,000 times saying it and we'll just overlap it to everybody? A lot of people seem to like the movie. So, yeah. They were like, when did you become a dentist? He's like, 40 years ago. And they're like, you know what? <laughs> we should say that a lot, too. We just keep saying 40 years ago. Yeah. that's. Should we even touch on that? That's no, a... not right no. now. Not another time. How about never? Let's just pretend it never happened. That can, we just, sail. can we just Halloween sail. kill this conversation? All right, uh, Brady, let's get your number one. Uh, yeah, my number one is Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Damn. Dream Warriors. Um, I gotta say, I think I've told you guys, I'm not a huge fan of the Nightmare series. Um, I, I think it's just a product of coming to it late in life. It didn't really work for me. I didn't find Freddy scary. Um, yeah, I love the first one. I love the second one. Um, but I do think that three and four are just super fun. Um, and I think that it starts with this one. I think when I, th- when I think of kills by Freddy Krueger, I think of like the puppet master kill on this one. Um, so yeah, I, I just think it's when he, they lead into him being funny, but still menacing at the same time. 
like you'll laugh and then be like, oh my god, this guy is evil. So I really like it. I think it's better than Friday the 13th Part 3. That's just my personal take. Yeah, I got that feeling when you were talking shit on it earlier. Yeah, I just want to say it again. I think that Friday the 13th Part 3 is horrible. Not really. I don't think it's a horrible movie. It's just, it's like, I hate Shelly and I hate those characters. I, it's not even just Shelly. It's all the characters in that movie. I you ever talk hate. bad about Fox again and her ghost will fucking haunt your ass. Mm-hmm. Piece of Fox. shit. What? I Rip. hate Fox. She fucking died for your sins, you asshole. She died for nothing. She didn't do shit. So, okay, I say something a little controversial, like, I hope a deer died, a slow, painful <laughs> death. Nobody wants to fucking attach themselves to that. You guys, I didn't say not the I views of Vincent Horror Podcast, did. but this guy's like, she died for nothing. And you guys are like, yeah, no, she probably died for nothing. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> I mean, I like Fox. Anyways, Dream Warriors. All right. And then well, another reason why I thought we weren't doing just horror, because you two are big Star Wars fans. So one of those Star Wars counts as a three, right? Two of them count as three. Three of them count as a three. Yeah. So I figured one of you would put them on there. No, I thought we were doing horror. And the thing is, like, for me, like I said, I haven't seen a lot of third installments and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really dive that deep into shit. And I wanted to add S- Scream 3. But I'll talk about that later. Which one's Star Wars 3, then? Episode 3. Uh, also, Return of the Jedi or something like that? Or is that one of Jedi, them? Return of the Jedi and also... Um, Rise of Skywalker. Like it all so one of those three good enough to be on your list if it wasn't just horror? Episode three. I like episode three. That's probably one of my favorite. I put um, episode six. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an original trilogy kind of guy. Like I just love I, that. I just love where the story concludes. That's just me. Well, it but doesn't I, include. That's the problem. <laughs> they said, you know what? We're going to continue this. Hey, we got Kylo Ren out of it. So, but um, episode three, I feel like the choreography and the emphasis on lightsaber duels is so mm-hmm. strong and it's so good maybe not so palpatine and yoda but when they do i mean that's not bad but when they do like the obi-wan and anakin fight like there's nothing better in star wars to me listen mm-hmm. as soon as i got my 4k tv the first thing i did was bring up the anakin and obi-wan duel and yeah. i put that thing on best resolution settings i could watch and i was having a field day like there's nothing there's something about that scene that just the second that he's like you know you will try, and the second that music starts falling, you're like, "Let's go, dude!" Like yeah. I don't know, it and just it gets you hyped. Yeah, that whole. I wish they just didn't even cut it up. I wish it was just one big like lightsaber duel. Fuck all that other storylines going on. I don't even care. Just fucking give me 18 minutes of them dueling. I could have. Well, like there's like just like most of it's like cutting back and forth to Yoda, yeah. but there's just like one cut to Bail Organa where it just slows down like dead in the middle, and you just see like a kid get killed, and you're just like. No, 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 no. Dude, I love Back. that scene though, where they're like, "It's time for you to leave," and he's like, "And so it is." <laughs> <laughs> when, he, when he jumps in his cruiser, he's like, "No, I can't laugh because I don't remember." Yeah, uh, he's just—he's like, he's like—he says no, like he's gonna do something about it, but he's like—he's like ducked down in his cruiser, like just speeding off. But like, also, no, I'm like, sorry. Also, like when they're like, "Master Annie, what are we gonna do?" And he just fucking like Burr. turns on his lightsaber. I'm like, "Hell oh, yeah, fucking like, slaughter, slaughter those motherfuckers." <laughs> I love the meme that's like um, the Star Wars VR. Now you can replay your favorite parts of any movie, and it's always the fucking <laughs> that part with him turning on the saber to the youngling. There's oh, probably a video yeah. somewhere. I know it was recorded. I hope it was destroyed of me and like my 12 year old self and our neighbor reenacting that scene between Obi Wan and Anakin, like word for word. And I'm actually pretty proud of it because 
I only got to see it in secret once. So I'm, I'm sure we all have home movies that we don't want ever emerging into public. <laughs> There's also yeah, one of Twilight bit. that we made, but that wasn't um, really something I wanted to do. Kissing and saying, damn, I love you as a werewolf. <laughs> and I love you as I a love you, Edward. <laughs> I was uh, actually, yeah, Bella. That's cool. Um, I don't know if you know this, Brady. I don't know if we talked about it or if we talked about it on the podcast. Me, Rob, and like a few friends in like, I think it was around eighth grade is really when it was like the strongest because we all had lightsabers and we were literally like every day after school, go home, get our lightsabers and then meet up at this kid's house and like lightsaber duel, like all fucking day into the night. And like, you can still do it at night because they lit up. So yeah. it was like every fucking day for months. Yeah. And where he lived, it was like where three streets converged. So there's so this big cold. open road space. Yeah. <laughs> and we were just like, you would just like any given night, you see like eight or nine lightsabers just swinging in the dark at each yeah. other. And then you'd occasionally hear like the slap of somebody getting hit in the skin and just, and just, <laughs> like it was so good. It was fucking sweet. I was homeschooled. I didn't have any friends except my neighbor. And then he moved and then it was just me and the lightsaber. <laughs> and your imaginary friends who you imagine Well, they were dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. So and the, married. um, yeah, I was gonna say, and the uh, <laughs> stuffed animals or whatever the fuck they were. Um, they were beanie right. babies. Thank you. Yeah, whatever. The animals. <laughs> the yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're talking about Scream uh, Three. Came out in the year two thousand. Mm. Hell yeah, Y two K. It was released. Y two kill. February fourth. 2000 which it was delayed it was supposed to come out i believe december 12th of 1999 if i'm not mistaken uh it was rated r which i think all of them were had a runtime of an hour and 56 minutes estimated budget of 40 million dollars when watching the movie you can definitely tell that there's an upgrade in the budget i feel like the sets and everything's well i mean even that one shot you know y'all know what i mean very expensive shot um, the house blowing up. That's yeah, so yeah, that's mm-hmm. that one. Um, they probably cost a lot of that money, but um, it grossed 161.8 million worldwide, which is still a really good return. It's not as good in terms of uh, money put out to money got like brought back, but that's still very good. I'm surprised they didn't try to push for another one sooner than that. On IMDb, it holds a 5.6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has 40% on the tomato meter and 30% audience score. Which I feel like is a lot more accurate to what I think people think of it. Um, and on Letterboxd, it has a 2.8 out of 5. When you think of that $40 million budget, like just for perspective, what the first Scream was $15 million or so, mm-hmm. and then Scream 2 was $24 million, And this is... Almost double. Almost double, just a couple years after. Yeah, but I think a lot of that went into the sets on the set. You know? Yeah. Um, and also, like I said, that house exploding. They never did anything even close to that with other movies. I read somewhere that Craven, though, paid out of his own pocket for um, like the Woodsboro set. Yeah, I did read that, too, uh, because I guess he was like he wanted to revisit the first one somehow. Yeah, So I guess we'll move right into that. So uh, obviously directed by Wes Craven because the original four were. Uh, this one was not written by Kevin Williamson, though. And it shows. Yes, I think so. And that's why from the beginning, I always said, like, I think that, like, Wes Craven was more important than Kevin Williamson in terms of the feel of the movie. 
because these all feel like they're screams, even three, but like you can tell the writing's lacking. Mm. It was written by Aaron Kruger. Yeah, he did uh, Arlington Road. And it's weird that he has like a, you know, scary last name. Well, it's Freddy Krueger's brother. That's why. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freddy wanted Um, to be a killer. He wanted to be a writer. So he also (laughs) wrote for screenplays for The Ring 1 and 2, uh, Transformers 2, 3, and 4, Ghost in the Shell, the live action movie from 2017 with Scarlett Johansson. And uh, he even wrote for the recent live action Dumbo movie. And he was also an executive producer on Scream 4. So even though his shitty writing fucking led to this movie, um, he still somehow was a producer on 4. Well, I guess that just comes down to money. I don't, I don't know. It's got to be hard, though, because, I mean, reading about it and then just even watching some of the documentary stuff, like coming in when Williamson had already worked his magic on the first two and then was like, oh, here's my general idea for what the third would have been. And then yeah, having it be then, the guy who now makes it <laughs> new. But he didn't just like take it and then try to run with Williamson's idea. He said, mm. nah, fuck it, and like threw it out. Yeah. So he thought he knew better. I think that was Mm-mm-mm. a big mistake on his part. Um, so yeah, Kevin Williamson was unable to return for you know writing. Um, and he did have an outline. But again, Kruger pretty much ignored everything on the outline. Um, and he mostly wrote on the fly, like it was like an ever, it was like uh, kind of like two how they were coming up with shit from Williamson, mm-hmm. like day of kind of stuff. But I think this was just a guy who was in house just doing it. Um, this definitely was that developmental hell that we talked about. Yeah. Um, well, they had like a whole different movie because of it bef- before this. I don't know if you guys know that. It was supposed to be a different movie. Like, you mean titled something different? No, no, no. It was going to be Scream 3, but I'm saying like what the movie was going to be. Was, yeah, it's what we're saying. Like Kevin Williamson had a whole idea that yeah. got thrown out. Um, he got made eventually into a TV show. Did it really? Yeah. So his original um, plot for Scream 3 was going to be that there was like a Woodsboro fan club that were behind the murders. And at the end, Sydney like walks through the house and then these seven, eight kids are all supposed to be dead and then rise up and you realize that they're in this weird cult of worshiping her. And when they threw that out and Williamson, you know, didn't do it, he ended up making the following with Kevin Bacon. Oh yeah, that's true. And so the same idea was applied there. That's not what I was talking about. Originally, they originally before that, they signed um, Matthew Lillard to be the like killer. Mm -hmm. And um, so what they did was what was going to happen was they were going to have a school that were like devoted to Matthew Lillard, like at the school, not just a school, but like a high school, like where all the kids loved him. So they went around terrorizing the school and everything. And at the end, then it's revealed that Matthew Lillard like was behind this. Well, Stu, and he, he got all these kids to follow him and like kill people. But then like Columbine happened. So they told him like, yeah, you're not going to like, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. That's, of, like, that's what he's talking about. Um, that concept got made into the following. Cause so in the, yeah. Yeah. But like I'm were, saying, the whole Matthew Lillard thing, he he said he did get like signed on to be in Scream yeah. 3, but then Columbine happened, and then they like told him, like, no. Yeah, I wonder well, if with Scream there, 5, we're going to see that return. Okay, Rob, it it might have been Scream 3 then. Um, I th- it might have been Scream 3. I think you guys talked about it on the trailer episode of Epic Film Guys, right? How Matthew Lillard was actually paid in full, apparently, to be, I think it was this movie? Yeah, Scream Three. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They literally—he was, was the first person cast in the movie, supposedly. Yeah, and he was paid, but he never had to show up. Yep. Yeah, 
but he was still because I guess great deal. Yeah, I don't know how much it was, but um, so yeah, uh, and the characters themselves that were in the movie bore a little resemblance. And Wes Craven even a lot of times had to punch up the script on his own, which I feel like shouldn't have to be done if you're the director. Um, I think I know he took up some of that responsibility in two as well, but I've I think this one was a little bit more of a duty of his in this one. Yeah, he was like, uh, man, this fucking kid is ruining it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's crazy to me that he went on to like still be a part of Scream 4 and stuff when like, I don't know, it sounds like he didn't do the best job really. That, um, And they also had three different endings for this movie. Uh, because again, with the internet leaks from the second one, they were highly, highly afraid of that happening again. So I'm pretty sure almost nobody knew what the endings were. Um, and Craven, I think they f- even did I say they filmed them? Yeah, they filmed three different endings. Um, and then nobody knew which one was going to be in the end of the movie, though, when it was released. Mm-hmm. It was just like I think the people who were in the movie, like the cast, only found out like two days before the movie actually got released. Um, I, there's an alternate ending that's on the Blu-ray, and I watched it, and I don't even know what's different about it. Oh yeah, I, like, I I always say I that too. I didn't even know there was an alternate ending. Yeah, it says there's an alternate ending, and I'm pretty sure it's the same ending, so I don't know what's happening. I have no I unless it's something so minuscule, like I don't know what it is, like maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of dialogue, but it's the same ending pretty much. Uh, as you all know, or might not know, this house that's used in the climax of the movie, that was used for um, H-O. Halloween H2O. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, hello. Mm-hmm. Familiar. Yeah. Uh, and I guess everything else we can talk about as we go. Uh, main event. Yeah, so I guess we'll get into some of the characters. I don't really... So the returning characters, I don't really have much to say about them this time around. If you guys have anything well, to say, the only thing like about um, Sydney is like that. I think finally you could see she's like breaking down when she's like hearing voices and stuff like that. Like it's finally getting to her. Yeah, I think she's a lot more on guard in this movie. Yeah, I mean, in two she was putting up a wall to try to yeah definitely like not let herself break down. But in this one, I feel like she's putting like she's not putting up a wall, but she's so guarded that like she doesn't want this to happen again yeah yeah, yeah. But i i feel like like i said she she lets herself break down finally and she hears stuff and sees stuff that's not there and i think she finally realizes a lot of this is out of her control yeah. yeah yeah i like i liked it a lot i think it just showed how like you guys said in the second one you know she's actively trying to not let this thing ruin her life and she's trying to be a normal college kid and have normal relationships and that can't happen. And so in this one, we find her completely isolated and away from people. Like Mark said, letting herself break down and kind of give into this mm-hmm. idea that things are happening and, you know, maybe it's out of my control or maybe it's because it's my mom's fault. And then she's having the trauma of not wanting to be her mother. And I think it's something that people in that age can identify with, not just mom things. Cause I hate my mom, but I think it's just, you know, <laughs> not wanting to make the same mistakes that your parents make. And I, I think they do a really good job of writing that with the little knowledge we had of Maureen previously. So in this one, Nev Campbell 
she was shooting other things at the time. That's why a lot of the stuff with her is kind of separate from the rest of the cast and everyone else kind of gets a lot more screen time in this. Um, if you notice, a lot of this doesn't really focus on uh, Nev Campbell or Sydney and what's going on with her. Uh, I guess she, she was doing Drowning Mona, which I've never oh. even fucking heard of. And then Party Jamie 5 was still going on. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I still, I forgot to look, but she, I guess, was wearing a wig this whole movie. And I've yeah. heard people say that once you see it, you can't unsee it, but I forgot to look this time. So good thing I wasn't distracted by it because I was really trying yeah. to get this down. Um, I actually thought it looked kind of good. They said it took two hours a day to apply. That seems like not and worth I, it. And I want to say she only was on set for 21 days. Yeah. Something like that when this was an eight-week shoot. So what's that? About half the time? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. If my math is correct. 25% um, time. I don't know. Yeah. And apparently Sydney throughout the movie, you can see like that she has the Greek letters still around her neck. Which I never noticed. I never noticed that either. I have yeah. to look now. And when to go she watch walks in, tonight. when she walks in her house, you can see the playbill for um, the fall of Troy from uh, yeah. Windsor College. Thought that was I cool. Wore my should wore my Windsor College shirt. You know. Yeah. Got two I'm sure the fans would have loved to see it on this episode. You're an asshole, Brady. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't. I mean, do you guys have anything to say about Gail and? Dewey. Uh, so yeah. I... Oh, go ahead, Mark. No, you're good. Go. I was just gonna say I really don't like Gail in this movie, and I know in the second one I gave her shit, her character, and I think maybe it suffers from Aaron Kruger's writing here, but I just don't like that she's no longer a badass. Like I didn't in this movie, I thought she was way too sensitive and caring compared to the Gail of the the previous films, and, and not in a way that made sense. I was gonna say, you know, I feel like they, it, she's like that now because she finally realizes, like, like she wants to be with Dewey because that, like, throughout the movie, they feel like they belong together, like that they're like they're oh, finally they, they were fine together, but her character. That's what I'm like, saying. That's why yeah. I think she's like that. Is that she? She knows that she's she can't be that anymore. Like the cutthroat, ruthless, like bitch, like she was in the other ones. She still tries to be a little bit, but I think. Dewey's just so good at identifying the things that she yeah. does that she he shuts her down like real quick. Yeah. Like when she tries bringing the camera on the set and mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, no cameras. And like, I bought that bag for you. Yeah. Like shit like yeah. that. I think their chemistry together is like the best in this one. Maybe I it's because think... they're married now, or I think they were married at this time. And uh... they've been together probably, but they feel it feels so natural. Like they've been in three movies together. Yeah. I want to say they got married two weeks before this release. Yeah, maybe like they, or... it, it feels good that they're together. Like it feels right. Well, yeah. David Arquette said in the behind the scenes that she was pissed off at him during this movie. So he was like, "I did something to upset her," which yeah, made it kind of awkward. Haircut. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's a so, good haircut. Okay. I'm giving that, that haircut. Haircut, honestly, Arquette, Arquette owned it. He's like, "I suggested it." I don't know if he just says that. Just he's like, I never thought up. she'd do it. Because <laughs> I think, honestly, I think somewhere deep inside, I think because I know they're not together anymore, but I think like he still like loves the shit out of her, and I think like he doesn't want her to have any heat for anything ever, and he'll take blame for shit because like, yeah, he's just a nice guy like that. I don't think the hair is that bad, honestly. When you watch it, there's a lot of people who had hair like this, dude. Winona Ryder in fucking Beetlejuice had the shit in the eighties. Yeah, there are a lot of people who have it good. now. Yeah, well, <laughs> make a return. Okay, Brady, don't start talking about those people. Okay, you know, <laughs> if I could grow hair, I would do it. But I'm bald. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> um, can, we, can we can we get a promo shot of Mark in a Gail Weathers wig? I'm buying one. 
That'd be great. That's going to be like the next picture we post on Instagram. To you got to wear the, the lime green pantsuit, though. You have to wear that yeah. with it. Look like the uh, banana, banana from Fortnite. But <laughs> I think if Gail and Dewey weren't in this together, like working together in this, they, they carried this movie. There's no way this movie could exist without them. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Especially David Arquette. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess we could talk about Dewey. He still has like that little, a oh little bit of a limp, but God. only sometimes. Oh. <laughs> Not but when he's running. He, he's still got them. He's still really got that, that high testosterone stash. 110%. Like he's rocking it. But I like how he, like in this movie, I like how he feels like he's got this important part on the movie set and that he's an important person, but he still just gets treated like shit. You mean like, like when, yeah, a bodyguard, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like they're like, yeah, you're a stupid piece of shit, dude. You're just a dick rider. Get the fuck out of here. And he's like, all right. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but ag- again, it, it's him and Gail carrying this movie. So I guess we'll move into the new characters of the movie. First whoa, whoa, of all, we'll we still about... got to talk about one returning character. Who? Cotton, Cotton Weary. Weary. Oh, but I, you know, okay, we're going to talk about him. Lot. Yeah, he's like not really he's 100% lot, cotton. Yeah. Oh, I love that. He's exactly, he's exactly where he wanted to be at the end of the second one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, his character development sense. was one plus one equals two. Yes. Yep. They put and no thought it. into that. They said, this is what you're going to do. This is what you want to do. This is it. Yeah. And apparently, like, in the first scene, well, obviously, he's only in that beginning scene, but uh-huh. he, like, I guess had been working out and he wanted to show off his physique. So he <laughs> recommended taking off the jacket at one point. And they were like, okay, like, whatever. Just take off he's your like, jacket then. He's like, I love the script, guys. There's just one thing. I got to take, take off the jacket, jacket off. <laughs> it's got to come off. They're like, Cotton, why is that shirt two sizes too small? (laughs) It's 100% Cotton. Um, Can I please take off my uh, jacket? He's like, yeah. I have a scene where I'm just shirtless. You know, don't have to have a reason. He just shows up fully nude. This isn't Marvel movies, okay? Yeah, okay. Yeah, but like, honestly, his character, and I don't want to get too far into it, but just in general, like when he's in that opening scene talking about like, you know, I was a big player, and I only got one scene, and I'm killed in the beginning. I'm like, this is a pretty meta moment right here. Yeah. Like, I feel like his whole character development and probably how he legitimately felt as an actor was nicely rolled up in that scene. So I guess we can kind of talk about that. Like, so, as we know later, the killer's killing off people from the Stab movie in the order that they were killed in Stab. And he's killing those people in real life. Well, in Stab so, 3, right? Stab 3, yeah. yes. Yeah. So Cotton is the first to die, and he's bitching. Like, I feel like they didn't do a good enough job of like um, incorporating that into the movie. Like, the fact that the people from Stab 3 were being killed like in a certain order. Like, they, they say it, but it's like it has no impact. And honestly, he, the killer could have just been killing in any order. I don't think it really mattered. Yeah. 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 But I just especially, love that. Especially when they throw in the spot the line where they're like oh but there's rewrites and it's like i get it what there's what they're taking shots at people yeah. or the yeah. movie itself but i don't know it kind of lo- fell flat for me no i agree now can we get into mark and Cade? sure oh okay um kincaid <laughs> obviously named after kincaid from uh nightmare three, nightmare three. and four he uh, played by Patrick Dempsey. So McDreamy. Yes. Huh. I would say his. Uh, so I like his character, but 
I don't like how he's supposed to be like one of the biggest red herrings in this movie. Mm. Yeah, that falls flat. Yeah, not once did I think that it was the cop. As much as he tries to be suspicious at that part in the precinct with Sydney, I'm like, it's just so corny. Yeah, I think honestly they he did a, they do a bad. I don't know if it's them or him. They do a bad job with that whole like I, the who done it thing, you know. Yeah, I think it's them. If it's supposed to be, he's supposed to be suspicious. I would never think that he was like supposed to be the ghost face. But I feel like we should talk about this after the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just don't think that like um, I don't know him being part of like the fact that like they ask how like uh or do you know anything about horror movies or do you know anything about trilogies and he knows like things that like uh randy would know like i don't know just like to me it's like dude like why does everybody have to be like a film fucking like expert in these movies yeah Yeah, like i it didn't for his character it does not fit for a a cop he lives in hollywood of course he knows movies come on that's what he says but and it's so corny though he went to hollywood video store um, and apparently he was only hired like the day before shooting began. That's wild. So he that had to sense. learn like a bunch of shit, like right. Cause I think they said he had three big dialogue, heavy scenes. Um, and also David Boranza, Boranis, Boranis, what happened? Oh, from, uh, Bones. Yeah. Well, Angel, you f- and Buffy, you cunt. And <laughs> Valentine, you motherfucker. In his life yeah. Bones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, he was apparently considered for the role, um, but obviously wasn't cast. That would have been which horrible. I'm, yeah, that would have like that guy. I'm sorry to say it to everyone, anyone who likes him in like Angel or Bones or Buffy, but he cannot fucking act at all. That guy is so boring. What about Valentine? They could replace him with a fucking uh, a safety cone, and like it'd be the same shit and anything. <laughs> he is pretty wooden. Not yeah. Gonna lie. So let's move on to anybody else have anything to say about Mark Kincaid? Uh, I mean, it just has to do with the movie. I'm glad that they didn't like go over the top with making him her love interest. Like it's alluded to. Yes. And I did hear you say, I think it was you like, Oh, I wonder if they're going to bring him back for the fifth one and him yeah. and Sydney are going to be married. Cause she yeah, has a yeah. ring dude. If they do that, where the fuck was he in all scream four? He was on important police business. you guys stop talking about the fucking trailer? You're pissing me off. What are you talking about? You fucking watched yeah, it. But I didn't go into detail looking at every fucking <laughs> little thing, you fucking cuck. Me too. That, that doesn't even matter. Yes, it does matter because now he's in the fifth one. I know he's going to be in there. That's we don't know. If he, no, Brady said he, you, he wonders if it's if he's in it. He he better not be because then that's just corny as fuck. It doesn't matter if he's in it or not. Like, wait till the movie comes out. Why does it not matter? Because it doesn't matter right now. What does it matter right now? Because we're talking about Mark Kincaid, and he's a yeah, character. It doesn't matter in Scream, Scream 5. We don't know about Scream 5. Yeah, we, didn't but get, I'm, we didn't even get to Scream 3 yet. But he's a character. We need to talk about him now. Yeah, but we don't know past Scream 3. He could die. He could live. We don't know. We do know because we all watched it. Okay, you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, so Roman Bridger, uh, played by Scott Foley. Dumb character. Don't like him. Give her a I, um. Fuck that guy. I use the I use the word nerd cock a lot, and this would category. This would be <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, he's like a nerd he, cock. he's a fucking cornball dude. Like th- this character, like I would never believe that this fucking idiot fuck could ever do what he does in this movie. It's so unbelievable. It takes me right out of the movie. Uh, it's almost even worse as soon as there's the big reveal. 
That's what I'm saying. The, the way he keeps acting, like through the whole movie, like you guys were saying, just horrible. Like every scene he's in, I'm like, please get him out of here. And then when he's doing that weird, like screaming thing at the end where Sydney's taunting him and he's yeah. like spasming, it was, he just couldn't do it. Yeah. His, and it's, know, it's so rough to watch next to Nev Campbell's great acting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And her ability to portray emotion. And he's just this fucking idiot bitch on the screen. Temper tantrum boy. Yeah. He played in uh, Dawson's Creek. He's also in something else coming up. We saw him on billboards yesterday. Oh, yeah, Big Leap, I think it was. The Rookie? Is that what it is? No, I think it was Big Leap, it said. Yeah, Big Leap or something like that. On the billboard. Play his, Big Leap off the screen. Yeah, Ooh. please. His brother-in-law is uh, Patrick Wilson from yeah. uh, The Conjuring. Yep. I didn't know that. Wow. I guess it doesn't run in the family. Boyfriend. Oof. Did you say brother-in-law? So. Yeah. Uh, I thought you said brother. <laughs> Brother. Well, maybe they are brothers. brothers. Never know. Could be from the south. Everybody else got some shit to talk on Roman Bridger because I don't want to hear anything uh, good about him. So I think he's good. I okay. think Scott, I think Scott Foley's a good actor. Now, I I liked his magically changing sideburns. Yeah, those were good. I didn't even notice that. I didn't I'm notice it the first time I watched the film, but I was watching this time. I was like, something off of his hair, and I looked it up, and I was like, uh, that's what's off of his hair. Okay. Uh, so then we have John Milton, who's played by Lance Henriksen. I think that Lance Henriksen, t- to me, plays the perfect asshole, like director slash producer. Yeah. Um. I, I want to say that like he know like so in terms of somebody who can play evil characters like the the villain, even though he's not like the the villain in this movie, he knows how to do it great. Like. Even it reminded me of like man's best friend. Like he he could have been the same guy in man's best friend as he was in this, like the same dickhead, like guy, honestly. Um I know Wes Craven and Christopher Walken were both uh considered for the role of John Milton. Very glad it wasn't I don't think Wes Craven could act mean if he tried. No, honestly, no. he's too nice. Uh, I think it would be funnier because like obviously He's the director, and like they mm-hmm. were saying, he was just like pervert asshole raping people. Like it'd be kind of funny, but um, well, I mean, rape's not funny. Sorry, guys, but uh, no. But uh, I just think it'd be funny that like he would put himself in that position. But uh, Christopher Walken, I'm so glad it wasn't him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like every time I hear, uh, oh, I it could have been Christopher make... Walken. I heard oh, you want to make a movie about stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty good. Have you been practicing? That was really good. That was actually Christopher Walken. We had we paid for that cameo. <laughs> the movie is called Stab. Someone got stabbed. If I close my eyes, I would honestly think that's him. Yeah. When he dies, I'm doing all his VO work. <laughs> and we can move on we, to uh, in the wings. Angelina Tyler, played by Emily Mortimer. Another big red herring in this movie. Uh, another one that falls flat, in my opinion. Well, she was also, I think, originally supposed to be one of the killers, and then that's like one of the three different. Yeah, ideas. yeah, she's got the, the the feel for it. Yeah, and I mean, she's so obvious that it's like that it makes sense. Like she had the mask, the phone, mm-hmm. knife, or whatever the fuck she says is all props. But, <laughs> but like once, but once that scene hits, like I'm surprised. Like Sydney didn't just start beating the crap out of her in that like stall like I wouldn't even wait for X but the level of trauma she's been through she's like I, I, I've been through this whole bathroom routine before I'm just gonna beat you up 
And it, but the thing is, like, I'm glad they didn't decide to do that because she would not be believable as one of the ghost face, like going around killing people, you know? Yeah. Because like Stu says, it takes a man to do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so do doesn't Randy say that? Yeah. But like he's making fun of like Stu because Yeah, okay. I was the way like, you yeah. did it, I was like, wait, Randy said that. Well, that's why I was like Randy Jackson mocking him. Mocking the way, Stu. The way Stu mocker. Uh, Randy did. Um But yeah, I feel like so her character um, I I do like. I guess we could just talk about it when we're talking about the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's not a There's lot. There's a lot like, to talk uh, about later. Honestly, like these characters, like they don't. They don't mean nothing. They yeah, are surface of they the were, surface. Yeah, they were made to die off, and like this one's so glaringly obvious when it comes to that. Like, obviously, they're keeping mm-hmm. the original cast, and everyone else dying. Like that's so obvious. Yeah. Um. Then I guess we'll talk about two more people real quick. Um. Obviously, Jennifer Jolie. Played by Parker Posey, the fake Gail Weathers. She was actually my favorite of like the supporting characters. I thought she was oh, really good. Yeah, one hundred percent. I would say she's the best character. Not even just new character. I would say of the movie. Like everyone in this movie, I feel like every time she's on screen, I just want more of her. Um, I think she's great. I think her overacting comes off perfect for a person who's supposed to be playing somebody in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think it's funny that she's also like, uh, like she obviously is like, yeah, I'm Gail Weathers in all the stab movies, but like she's also like, fuck, I don't want to just be Gail Weathers in all the stab movies. Like she's trying for something more. Yeah. Um, she, um, Parker Posey is a big collaborator of Christopher Guest, who is Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. Oh, I did not know that. Yep, he does a lot he of like the mockumentary style movies. Mm, gotcha. Um, and I know, like, so I mean, I don't want to go deep into her um, bodyguard, Steve Stone, in the movie. Um, <laughs> Joe from Family Guy. Yeah. Did you know that he was some, like he was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was originally considered for that role? Yeah. How different of a part would that have been? Oh, my oh, God. Wow. Yeah. Dude, there's a lot of stuff like that in this movie. Imagine him saying, all right, listen here, do drop. <laughs> dude, I would be like, dude, like 10 year old me would be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> do drop. I love that. I just I think keep hearing Joe, that's just no matter what I do, I, yeah, I, just, I keep yeah. hearing him be like, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. Joe and um, Putty from Seinfeld, especially like in this. And then, era. and what's his face? What, what was he in? Um, oh the my Tick God. or something like that? Uh, the Road to El Dorado. I don't know. No, no, no. Yeah, no, Emperor's no. New Groove. Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's yeah. New Groove. Yeah. Dude, oh, yeah. He's my really, spinach yeah, yeah. puffs. Dude, I love Emperor's New Groove. That's my shit. Um, and the last person I want to talk about real quick is just Martha Meeks, played by oh, Heather Matarazzo. Yeah, I just think that she's an awful character. Um, the weirdest? I think they, they, they got someone that would remind me of Randy's sister, though, because of how like awkward she is and like she looks like long. nothing alike. She, she looks like somebody. I know they don't look the same, but the way they act, or I don't know if she's just a bad actor's. Her, her acting's <laughs> bad, yeah. So like that, that would be like I would. That's believable to me. That's someone oh related to Randy. Guys, we need to watch this. Yeah, her yeah. acting's awful. I think she's the most shoehorned character of like this series. Yeah, this series all together, and I honestly can't even name like another movie where there's a character more shoehorned in there just for. Hey, like, we, I, I, we need to add this to the plot. And we can't figure out how. So here you go. 
I would have rather, I would have rather it be something like Randy made this video and left it with his like left it with a lawyer and like a will and like if another killing took place, this video is to be delivered to Sydney Prescott. Like that would have been more sense to me. Like Randy like planning ahead instead of being like, let me just like record this and leave it with my sister, and I guess she'll she'll take care of it if the time comes. He should. I, I don't even know if he left it I think too. he. Yeah, I think it, that would have been more believable because yeah. he recorded it at college and it's just a VHS, you know? <laughs> 15 minutes, yeah. Paul! 15 yeah. minutes! So, um, Randy is the best cameo in this movie. I think they could... They, so I think the reason he's mostly in this is because Wes Craven's admitted, like, hey, we, I kind of fucked up like getting rid of Randy because um, everyone loved Randy and he yeah. didn't want to do that again to his core cast. But like... I don't. I think they should have just gotten rid of Randy altogether in this, and they could have just had like Carrie Fisher's part um, mm-hmm. play that, because like she's working in the business, like she's down in that fucking vault of a fucking file. <laughs> the room archives, yeah, the archives. Like, and they could have just had her like been like, oh, let me tell you a little bit about trilogies, like you know, like or just like anything like that. I don't think they need to have her because she, she hurts in this movie. I don't even yeah. know what else she's in, but it ain't good. Carrie Fisher, she's in Star Wars. What are you talking about? That role of Bianca Burnett, played by Carrie Fisher, was originally offered to Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep. And she cool. denied it. <laughs> it would have been neat, but I'm, I think Carrie Fisher's funny. Uh, I would have been so happy to see Jamie Lee Curtis, though. She's like, sorry, yeah. I'm a little too busy with Halloween Resurrection. Can't yeah. get over there. Um, but also, uh, I think Carrie Fisher also did this because it's like Miramax, because she also did like Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, which mm-hmm. obviously was around the same time and yeah. comes a little bit more obvious later. But we can move right into the movie, you know? I know it's early. We want to get out of here as soon as possible. Some of us need to take naps. Yep. So the movie opens up in Hollywood with Cotton Weary getting a phone call while he's stuck in traffic. And uh, it's someone who seemingly, you know, has the wrong number. After Cotton flirts with them a little bit, because it is female, I assume. Don't want to assume genders, but I'm going to assume. It's female. Uh, and it switches over to the classic ghost face voice, who happens to be in Cotton's house, right outside the bathroom where Cotton's girlfriend is showering. That's How the girlfriend. How the fuck right? did she not hear the killer talking on the phone? Dude, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. Every movie is like that. But this one well, I feel like is the worst because no. like, he's right there while she's in the shower. Yeah, and he's talking just like you ever see like Black Christmas. I love Black Christmas. This motherfucker's in the attic screaming in the house with them, and no one hears them ever. That's true. It's well like, insulated. That's the movie from like the 70s, so it's like yeah. They had plasters, well insulated. <laughs> Dude, it's good. They don't make houses like they used so to. So after after seeing Black Christmas. I can never say that about any movie just because he's screaming on the phone and no one hears him. There's 13 girls in that house, not one person hears him. You pretty cunt. You pretty cunt. <laughs> um, so <laughs> and he like is asking Cotton where Sydney Prescott is. Um Christine gets out of the shower and Creed starts playing. I said this oh, is Brady's yeah, They had some good more. tunes in this one. I said Brady's about to be fucking but jerking. This off is right another now. person that when I was watching this, the girlfriend that I was like, she kind of looks like Kate Winslet. And then I Googled it, and then she they asked Kate Winslet to do this part. Yeah, and there was somebody yeah. else they asked too. I don't know who the other person was, but like I Googled that just for that, and I think it's, it was Kate Winslet, and I'm like, that's so wild that I was just thinking that. That's a girl from Titanic, if anyone doesn't know. I know this is a family-friendly pod, but if it was Kate Winslet, do you think she would have showed her tits? 
Hopefully. Then she would have went legit. Yeah. Yeah. Then she would have went legit. You're right, <laughs> Marv. You're right. Um, and then she starts like investigating though after she hears Creed. everyone investigates. Yeah, she thinks it's cotton in the house. She has no kind of fucking game he's playing, but because yeah. what if? Am I right? <laughs> Creed, yeah. what if? Okay. <laughs> but also while Cotton's in the car trying to call his girlfriend, um, and he's like no one's picking up, you see the phone uh wires cut in the corner of it. Too. Yeah, that was a nice zoom in shot. Yeah. It's kind of like, ha ha ha! Look at here. Did corner you not notice that? The in the when they show when Cotton's calling, they show the room, and then in the corner you see the phone wires cut. So that's why it's, the phone's not ringing in the house. Yeah, they do oh. like a zoom in shot of the where the phone wire is all runs along the wall, and you see it been sliced. Damn, I yeah. never even noticed that. And that's when the music starts playing. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, she hears a door open and close, and Cotton calls out to her. Uh, saying she'll never believe what just happened to him. And then when she looks out, Ghostface pops up, chases her into the office. At first, I thought it was a bedroom, and I wrote bedroom, and then I was like, wait, there's a desk in here. Why is that a bedroom? I have a um, desk in my room. Do you? In yes. the center of the room? No. Oh, okay. I'm going to do it right now, though. <laughs> right back. Do you want to show us? Uh, put it in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> So outside the locked door, uh, Cotton's voice calls out apologizing, but then he turns angry pretty quick when he uh, she doesn't open the door for him. We got to talk about something real quick. Sure. When she says, I don't want to play your stab games. Has he played them before? Is that like their thing? Yeah, they were like role playing. Yeah. Like he dresses up as or does she dress up? That's a good question. Well, never I would know. assume it's him. I'm going to write him a letter. Like, hey, do you remember in Scream Three when you guys were playing stab games? Maybe he makes her dress up. This way, he can feel like the hero all over again. Can, can you yeah. put this mask on and uh, let me call you Sydney? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, Rob, you're too kinky out there. Uh, so Cotton gets home and he searches the house as 100% Cotton plays on the TV. Um, <laughs> road rage. Yeah, it's yeah, but Ellie's road rage. <laughs> Yeah, he just fucking hit good. We're title. confronting them tomorrow. We're bringing them all on here. Everyone that ever had road rage. He grabs a fire <laughs> poker for protection, but then notices some stab marks in the office door. He busts the door open and is surprised by Christine, who bursts from the closet, brandishing her own little golf club. Or maybe it's his. I don't know, but she's brandishing it. Uh, she swings at Cotton, asking why. He wants to kill her, and he tries to like question her about what's going on. Is anybody in the house? And then Ghostface comes up from behind. Um, Cotton tries to help, but then Christine hits him with the golf club, so then he's on the fucking ground, and then she gets stabbed from behind. She's yeah. a stupid bitch and don't listen to nobody. Got Top Golf. Um, <laughs> Shout out Top Golf, sponsor us. And uh, then Ghostface tries to jump on Cotton. They struggle, and it ends with Ghostface eventually stabbing him. Uh, and then using the voice changer to say it all could have been avoided if, like, you know, Cotton just told him where Sydney was. Yep. What I don't like about this, the voice changer thing, is obviously, okay, it makes your voice change, but like you would still hear the other person's voice around that fucking no. voice changer. No, I didn't think that once. So, whole movie. earlier when he's yelling out, Christine, like, is everything all right? Like, wouldn't you hear two voices? No. Okay. That's not how it works. I, I it gets even worse before. later. Uh, I, I don't think you understand. Uh... Really, movies. 2000s technology. I had one of those things. Yeah, me too, I Brady. I was allowed work. to fucking use these things. I was allowed to go trick-or-treating, you fucking asshole. All right, we don't need to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Not this season. And then, and then that's a Scream 3 title card then, after Cotton gets slashed. 
I'm pretty sure it, gets, it looks like he almost gets stabbed in the face. Yeah. I wish. I like the Sit. opening scene. I think it's a good opening kill. Like the coal open? Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the weakest of the series. It's good. I don't think it's better than two. Oh, sorry. I don't know which one <laughs> you like. <laughs> yeah, I think we went over that last episode. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> so Sydney gets uh, to her secluded home, setting multiple alarms before logging on to her online-looking job. Well, she's logging on to her job. Not, It's not an online job, I guess. But, um, Did she, she say online-looking job? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> she like, logs on and boots up AOL. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> She waits an hour for it to boot up, and then somebody starts getting on the phone. She got the fucking bar. I'm on the internet. <laughs> um, but she, she, uh, she gets onto her job where she talks to, I guess, victims of like a woman's hotline, the woman's help hotline, uh, like a woman's crisis up. line. Yeah, yes, crisis line. Um, Which I think is a cool progression of her. It's a cool progression of her trauma. I like that. Like yeah. it shows that, like in some way, shape, or form, she's trying to use her trauma to help others. But mm-hmm. or is she coping through other people? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, I believe what you said, but I'd just like to play devil's advocate, that's all. Uh, Gail is giving a lecture at, I assume it's a school of some sort. Yes, a college. Uh, about how to be successful yeah. in journalism and is met after by Detective Mark Kincaid. But and... also that person, um, the person that stands up and says something, is that, per- is that person related to David Arquette? Yeah, it might be his brother, younger brother. His brother snuck on the set and was like, listen, I'm going to go ruin her scene. Hold on real quick. <laughs> so was this it is worth the it? second movie in a row that one of his relatives was in, right? Yeah. It's a family affair, as they say. Oh. Uh, and Detective Kincaid talks to Gail about the murder of Cotton, showing her a picture of Maureen Prescott that was left on Cotton's body. He doesn't know. I don't think he knows it's Maureen, right? She says, like, oh, that's Maureen Prescott? Yeah, like, yeah. Because he said, yeah. you know what this is? And he's like, oh, Maureen Prescott. So then it shows Sydney at home. She sees the news of the murder of Cotton on the television. And she is visibly upset. She knows it's happening I thought again. She, I thought she didn't like him. Well, they don't know that yet. Um, it's just a coincidence. But it's definitely like, she's definitely suspect. And there's definitely that beginning pings of anxiety you can see in her face. Yeah. I think she, I think she has the, the look like, here we go again. This is it. But please, no, not a threequel. Yeah. And then at the stage where Stab Three, I believe it's called the uh, Sunrise subtitle is Return to Word Woodsboro, right? That's the yeah, yeah, yes, that's Sunrise Studio. What's up with threes and returns? So it is, man. It's used a lot because, well, in the first one they're there, in the second one they're not there. Then they have to return in the third one, Rob. That's how it works. I get it. Makes sense. Yeah, the return, Uh, return, Return of the Jedi. You know, Return of the King. There you go. Uh, executives are meeting with Roman Bridger and John Milton about shutting down the production of Stab 3 after the murder of Cotton because it could bring bad press and heat onto the company, to which Roman's clearly against. He wants to keep fucking going because, hey, you know, he's more business. That too. Mm-hmm. So bad. The cast of Stab 3 is sitting around discussing like, the possibility of being shut down, and most of them are kind of against. I think Angelina's the only one that really is for shutting it down. Because she's yeah. like, I'm not even an actress. I just won this part in a competition or some shit. Uh, Gail arrives on set accompanied by her hidden camera, which I think we mentioned earlier. Yeah. And is approached by Jennifer, who plays yeah. Gail in Stab. Gail meets Gail. Hell yeah. You know I what does their- what also I don't know if they do or not, but 
they never mention in the first stab, like when that's in the the people die, like in the movie theater. Like Scream Two in Scream Two, um, Jada Pinkett Smith and um, what's his name die going to see him stab like, and that's not mentioned at all for some odd reason. Like they so seem like this. Is it? Yeah, especially in the film class, they said they were. They no, were, he's talking about in this movie. In this movie, how like oh. they're saying that someone's killing because of the movie, but they never mentioned that it happened before. Oh, that's what I I'm gotcha. trying to say. Like I don't understand. Like they seem like it's such a new thing. Um. I get, I guess you're right, but also that I, so when it comes to these kind of things, like obviously stab or the movie, the, I stab the movies are well known. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause in Hollywood, obviously they're making more and they know it's based on real events, but I don't know how separated they are because I don't think Windsor college is supposed to take place near Hollywood. Okay. So it might be, but one I feel like it would be like, like national news that like a big Hollywood movie had a stabbing on opening night. And then like a couple yeah. years later, the third one, like the, Cass is dying, you know. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's just so me hard. Over, to, it's just me, me overlooking stuff. Yeah, it's hard for me to know those kind of things. Like, because mm-hmm. I always think about like this kind of day and age where everything's on Twitter. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I get your point though. That's a very. Like, I don't know. They feel like it's. If they seem like it's a big deal when it's like already happened before. Yeah, it is a big uh, deal, but you understand. I don't know. I'm weird. So after some shade is being thrown back and forth between <laughs> Gail and uh, Jennifer. Like Gail's surprised by Dewey, who walks over, revealing that he is now the technical advisor of the movie since you know he was in Woodsboro and all. Yeah. Gail's thrown off set by Milton because he says no press is allowed. He doesn't care if she's working with Detective Kincaid or not. You also meet Tom too, who I think was mad at Gail because she wrote like a story about him drinking and driving. Yeah, and I guess, I guess the way she like, or he got. He crashed his car or something like that, and she suspected it was drinking yeah. and driving. Or yeah, she yeah. he crashed but, and she wrote an article about how it must have been drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And I don't honestly another thing with this guy Tom we didn't talk about. I don't feel like he should be like he doesn't remind me of Dewey, Dewey at all. Like from the the moments we get with him, yeah, bad, I feel like they could have they could have got a different person to play him. Well, that's what Gail kind of like laughs about that when she's like he's playing. She's like yeah. who's he playing? And then he's like me. And she's like <laughs> you. Yeah, <laughs> baby dick. <laughs> what? <laughs> She's like that whole you. No. But um, I think they say at some point that he is a recast because I think oh, okay. like a bunch of the people who were in Sab One and Two didn't return. Yeah, like David Schwimmer and um, Tori Spelling didn't want to yeah. return. Yeah, and for a good reason, I guess. Um, then we get the oh so classic scene where fucking Gail is escorted out of the door just to <laughs> that fucking sounds, yeah <laughs> with fucking Jay and Son Bob right there and they mistake her for Connie Chong. That was great. Oh, dude, that's fucking Connie Chong. I hate that part of this movie. <laughs> is, why? Because you hate everything Jay, it's, it's it Jay and Son everything Bob. out of it. It's so I don't know, it takes away from the movie heavily. If it wasn't Jay and Son Bob and it was just a random person that said, Yo, that's fucking Connie fucking Chong. It would've probably wouldn't make sense. The, I, I guess it, it makes sense that that line's in it because of it's them. Yeah. But like, so I think they don't fit well in this movie. I get it. It's a horror comedy, but they are trying to lean too hard into that like slapsticky bullshit here where I feel like Wes Craven being in Jane and Bob Strikes Back is a lot funnier to me. Mm-hmm. And with, uh, I honestly don't have a problem with it. Like, you know what the movie is once you see it. You're like, it's whatever. It's yeah. not like, you're not going to take Scream 3 serious. Like, 
and also Wes Craven's in this scene. Yeah. He's like right behind Jay and Son Bob. Like, and I think like when they're walking, he's kind of like, yeah, he's kind of like looking around like, who? And then in Scream 2, we never mentioned him either. I don't remember if we mentioned his cameo when he's in the the, the The hospital, right? No, we didn't. Yeah. I don't remember hearing that one. For a bad horror movie podcast. Yeah. Fuck us, I guess. Uh, Sydney Sydney (laughs) is visited by her father at home who she uh, says she should come home and it's not a good thing to live out in the middle of nowhere all alone and that the only people she talks to don't even know her real name. Uh, And she replies by saying, that's the idea. Cycles can't kill what they can't find. Yeah, Neil's worried about Sydney here. She also calls out Neil too because she's just like, yeah, well, maybe if you and mom didn't have so many stupid secrets, like we wouldn't have all ended up in this mess. I think as everyone gets older, they realize that like their parents aren't perfect and their parents do have secrets, you know? So, yeah. But I mean, just like the way she says it to him, he's just like, listen, I couldn't help that your mom was sleeping with everybody. Look, look, Sydney, your mom was no Sharon Stone. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What she should have said is like, Bitch, you were tied up in a fucking closet and ready to be gutted. If it wasn't for, for me, you wouldn't fucking be here, you piece of fucking shit. Where'd you piss on yourself, you asshole? Get the fuck out of here. What'd you eat for three days? <laughs> <laughs> Still can only uh, think of her dad as the dad in scary movie. <laughs> All these kids playing at drugs everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we need to, uh, at the end of this, we need to review scary movie. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's do absolutely. it. That'll be the penultimate film. <laughs> Because uh, scary movie came out after this one, right? Um, I think, think two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say in the trailer for scary movie, like one of the things is like just when you thought it was all over, and, <laughs> like it goes like another uh, line. And no, then so- scary movie was July seventh of two thousand. Was yeah. it really? Yeah. Oh wow! So it came out before this. Oh wow! Wait, how did it come out before us? Oh, this came out in February two thousand. I thought you said. Yeah, it did. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, after. Oh, yeah. So yeah, because I remember the trailer being like, "You thought it was all over," and like all the stuff, and yeah. Um, so while napping on the couch, she dreams of seeing the ghost of her mother out her window and is startled awake when Ghostface pops up from underneath like the uh, bay window and breaks through the glass. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I'll talk about it later, I guess. Never mind. Well, don't worry about no, it. Um, and it. We cut to Sarah Darling, who is one of the actresses in Stab. Um, we didn't really go over her because she's played by uh, fucking Jenny, uh, Jenny McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah, Jenny McCarthy. Married to uh, our guy, fucking uh, Wally Don- Donnie Wahlberg, right? Yep. Um, well, now not in- always doing those New Year's Eve bashes, yeah. and then just Donnie Wahlberg's back there, like, "What's up? I'm Jenny's husband." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she arrives on set to meet with Roman. Uh, I noticed that her license plate said "Darling, Darling One. One." Fucking vanity plates, man. Um, and she's scared by Tyson, who pops out of a door with a pair of scissors through his head, which is, you know, just a makeup test. Yeah. Um, she goes into Roman's office where his phone rings. She answers it. Don't know why people are always answering other people's phones, but the theme. Uh, yeah. Well, at least here she does say the director's office. Like she acts yeah. like just taking his office. I love she's how in. she knocks over his award and it breaks, and she's there, all, like picks up the phone, starts talking to, to Roman, and she's just like scotch taping the head back on. I'm like, okay. It's not obvious. <laughs> um, but she answers the phone and it's Roman saying that he's running a little late, but tells her they could just run through the lines over the phone. She gets a little frustrated with her part, complaining about how uh, she has to be naked in the shower and the whole shower thing's been done. Vertigo? Hello? Oh, bitch. Yeah. Hello? I think, well, 
I like what she's complaining though about her role. She's like, it's just so generic, and I don't understand this. And he's like, "Mm -hmm, all right, let's just go over those lines. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you, but I don't. Right. And then Roman says that uh, they can read the scene and goes on with like the stuff, but then uh, he changes the lines up, saying uh, he changes up the lines a little bit from what's in the script, and Sarah complains, saying. Has there been another goddamn rewrite? How the fuck are we supposed <laughs> to learn our lines where there's a new script every 15 minutes? Which is obviously, you know, shots at the second movie. And yeah. The complaints. Shots fired. Bang, 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 bang. I, <laughs> feel like, <laughs> I feel like this movie is the most meta of the three so far. Yeah. But it's also like if you have to be in the know to yeah. know. But that's what I'm saying. It's so meta. Like you have to understand the meta. Yeah. Like it's well, the meta of the meta. Like it's deep. The more you watch it, the more you know. Yeah. And then the voice changes and to the ghost face voice and says it's a new new movie called Sarah gets skewered like a fucking pig. I'd like I'd watch it. So yeah. I guess they have a voice changer for Roman too now. Yeah, this guy's got a he's got advanced 20 22nd century technology here. Is it though? Uh she runs and hides in a wardrobe closet after seeing a shadow like uh, or seeing the shadow of a security guard who is like patrolling the area. Yeah, he's locking uh, it down for the night. He shuts off the lights as she's hiding. Uh, she's trying to call security for the studio. I think that's who she's calling. Yeah. Um, to get help. Um, and then you see one of the ghost face among many costumes hanging, like tilts its head out of line. And then its hand comes through the sleeve of the robe holding a knife, which I love. Love, mm-hmm. love, love. I mean, it's definitely a cool scene. I like that. Like, like, as soon as she walked in there, I said, okay, this is going to be one of those. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. But like I like it's what he so does. So I here. know he did last summer. Yep. Like you would expect him to like step off the car and then charge her, but because she's hiding on the cart amongst the costumes, did he just starts pushing that cart full speed ahead <laughs> of the door and just yeah. launches her through the doorway? Like I loved that. I thought that was pretty creative. And the way that he chases her down, I mean, I, I don't know if it is with this movie, but there is a lot of ghost face just beating the crap out of people before executing the kill. I mean, he just starts smacking her around in there big time. They had to save money in the because the house exploding scene took all their money. So the that's the way to like. So our budget's forty million. This house costs twenty million. Okay, just take up some time by like acting like you guys are fighting for a few minutes. We need to water this shit down a little bit. Uh, so yeah, she fights back, um, trying to you know grab prop weapons, which I think is another good part of this whole thing. She's like picking up the fucking knives that flop around and. She has the machete and he just like hits it or something and it bends. Yeah. Um, but eventually he throws her through like a window to a door and finishes her off by stabbing her. Rip. Go to a re- restaurant where Dewey and Gail go over some differences. Uh, we'll go over their differences, I should say. Um, and how this they are. This is the scene that, anymore. like, um, let's try to cut off, but this, this makes them feel like a real couple in real life, just how they're bickering back and forth. Like, I think this is like this. They do a good job with that. I don't know if it, like you guys said where they were, ha- they got in a fight before the movie and that, tra- that, but they do a good job here with that, where it's really believable that like they want to be together. And, and you can tell they, it's two people who aren't just acting like they're yeah. actually intimate, you know? Yeah. And I think that, I think that helps not only just this movie, but their interactions in, I guess, all three of the originals mm-hmm. it, it shows um 
Dewey reveals that the police received an anonymous call from a woman asking for their file on Sydney, uh, saying it's research for the movie. And then um, the station was broken into and the file room was ransacked. But Dewey had already removed the file because he's a smart boy. Mm. He thinks uh, that somebody who's in the film is trying to get to Sydney. And then he's paged by Jennifer because she needs him. And I guess he's like a personal little bitch for her. Little lap dog. Gail follows uh, Dewey to Jennifer's, but I don't know if she was invited. Jesus. She this, was not. Yeah, so when he gets to Jennifer's house, he leaves the door open. And she's uh, Jennifer's obviously in a lot of uh, is upset because they find out that they're killing people in order of the movie and Jennifer's next. But when they pull up to get uh, Jennifer's, like Dewey's like, why did you come? And then he leaves the door open for her. So there's well, a lot of. Shut the door and sh- you got to shut her out. And I don't remember now. I have something skipped here. One second. I deleted something that I wasn't supposed to delete. But right after this, then that's when Dewey and Gail go back to the crime scene because they find they get the call that that's when they find out Sarah died. Right. Uh. Yeah. I mean, they go to his trailer outside, so you see where he's living. Yeah, you see that he's living on this on side, and that's what I deleted last night. Yeah, that he was he was he's... living out at her house. gave her She gave him a place to stay. Yeah, it's like a little fucking metal trailer, like in uh, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. reminds um, me of the trailer. You ever see Kill Bill Volume Two? Mm, yep. No, it looks like the trailer that one of the uh, assassins. What who's the, what's that actor's name? Michael uh, Madsen. Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah, he's like living From, in like, uh, one of those Reservoir old Dogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of those old Aerostream trailers. I also and... thought it was funny that before this, when Dewey and Gail leave the house, like <laughs> uh, Jennifer just like walks over to her bodyguard and he just like holds his arms out <laughs> yeah, and she just jumps yeah. in his arms. <laughs> yeah. Um, he tells Jennifer's bodyguard Steve that uh, he should watch over Jennifer and recommends a sweep of the grounds before they leave. And then <laughs> this is where Steve says, tells old Dewdrop do that, uh, that he's a professional celebrity security oh. and that Dewey's just hanging around because he couldn't make it as a real cop. Steven Stone is not your bodyguard. Dude, Damn. roasted his ass. Yeah, he did roast him. Um, but I mean, like, it was a fair roast. I'm not going to lie. Like, well, he could make it as a cop. He just got stabbed in the back and now he limps. It's not his fault. He was doing his fucking <laughs> Only job. Sometimes. Yeah. And Only, when yeah. Only when it matters. Only when it matters. That sympathy limp. We've all done it. At the crime scene, Stimp Kincaid limp. has already uh he was already there with his partner when Gail and Fuck Dewey show partner. up. Fuck Wally. I hate that I guy. I love that guy. I hate that guy so much. He's like, so as an actor or a character. As a character. Okay. I mean, probably an actor too, but as I the feel character. Like, I feel like he was Wes Craven's channel for every bit of frustration he had with everything, and just he put it into that character. The movie is called Stab. He got stabbed. Yeah, got stabbed. I think it makes good points. No, I hated him. He's so he like, stupid. He's, he's almost like this person in the movie. He's like, does nobody else have common sense here? No. All right, yeah. keep keep playing your parts, folks. But then he doesn't do anything about it. He's like, okay. <laughs> well, it's kind of hard when you have a fucking like rogue partner who just goes off and does whatever the fuck he wants yeah. without telling people. You know, he um, can do whatever he wants. He's the lead so detective. Kincaid shows Gail. The new pictures that uh, was left, I guess, when Sarah was killed. And Dewey recommends more security for Jennifer since she dies next in the script, which Kincaid, you know, retorts. And he's like, you know, there's several versions of the script. So that I don't know which one the killer has. Exactly. 
Um, and then something about like they had multiple scripts, and he even says because they were trying to keep it off the internet, so they yeah. just like keep throwing that shit like in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Mark said, they don't know which version the killer read, so. Um, Roman is bitching about how like his career is over, and then he's <laughs> I just wanted to by... make a love story. <laughs> yeah, so I had to make a horror movie first, and they would make me make a love story. <laughs> and that, I guess, was uh, something that happened to Wes Craven. Like he had to make this before he can make. I don't remember what the fucking movie was. There was another movie that might have came out in '99, but he had to make this first or something. I don't fucking know. I know so this came out Mars? after that. I don't, I don't remember what it was. What? That was not John Carpenter, you fucking pussy bitch. Um, but uh, he's approached by Kincaid and Wallace, who question him about you know uh, calling Sarah and setting up the meeting for them, and they ask him to come with him to the station. And here comes stupid Wally again. This is the next scene called coming. To, you're coming with us to the station. That's what I'm this, this is the scene where you come with us yeah. to the station, and I'm like, ah. well, yeah, he treats all these fucking pretentious idiots like they're pretentious idiots. I don't need your one-liners, Wally. Yeah, well, he also doesn't need to hear from whiny fucking bitchy producers and directors. He needs to get stabbed in the face. He's like, bro, yeah, people died. We're going to figure this out. I'm a cop. That's my job. He is the most believable person in this movie only because they're, dealing, they're cops that deal with Hollywood all day. Yeah. And like, I could see this being the, the personality of someone who deals with producers and whiny actors all day. Like, yeah, you play a cop on TV. I am one. Shut up. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. Um, but yeah, after this scene is where we get we go to Sid's house, right? That's where we're going into the like mm-hmm. she's on her call line. Well, first we get uh Kincaid asking Dewey if he can use his cell phone, saying that his isn't working. Uh huh. Oh yeah, so we're more red herring moments there. Yeah, but um, which we'll call back to later because at Sid's house she gets a call on her crisis line, and when she picks up, it's a woman who says, you know, oh I need help, I I killed someone. And Sid right away is like, um, yeah, this is the wrong number. You need to call 911. And she's like, no, this is the right number. I need to talk to you. And very quickly, you tell like something's very off. And that's when you can kind of, and this is where, like I said, uh, Nev Campbell's acting, like her acting is so much better than everybody else's because you can actually physically see her beginning to realize that the voice she's hearing on the phone is the voice of her deceased mother. And she's like, she could start, start, you could see her like questioning her sanity, like on the face, like, am I really on this call? Is this a real call? What's like, she's processing it. And I think it's because of her level of acting that you can actually see that. But um, the call starts telling her, you know, turn on the news, turn on the news, turn on the news. And that's when she turns on the news and sees that uh, there's been another killing on the set of stab. And, I don't know. I, I like this scene a lot because Sydney also looks over at the phone and sees that the calls on her home line. Like it wasn't, a call, it was, yeah, it wasn't through the call center. It was a direct call into her home. And at that point she realizes, all right, kill it. This person's got me and it's time to go to war. And I love that she opens that desk and she's got a gun. Like, I love that. Like Sydney is prepared. She is not, she's not wasting time here. Like she is responding to this, as you would think that Sydney should respond to it after everything she's been through. Sydney Prescott, of course, I have a gun. We're not talking about the trailer, Mark. Mark. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. That's why I did that. I knew you were going to do that. 
That's exactly why I did that. You did what I wanted you to do. You're predictable. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe I got your ass because I knew you wanted me to you do it. You couldn't get my ass because I got your ass thinking you were going to get my ass, so I got your ass. Well, that's ass grabbing around here. Um, so with the production being shut down, Tom and Angelina are over at Jennifer's house. Uh, Tom is visibly upset, tearing up parts of the script, drunk. Uh, Angelina goes outside, and then Gail pulls up to see Dewey being pulled out to like another part of the house with Jennifer, and she starts eavesdropping. Uh, bodyguard Steve catches Gail and alerts Dewey, says that uh, he and Gail, Dewey says that him and Gail can go uh, talk in another room. When they're in there, Gail tells Dewey that two years before Maureen met Sydney, or Sydney's <laughs> before she met Sydney, before she had her, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know this lady. Uh, no, it's before she met um, Neil, Sydney's dad. Uh, she disappeared for two years, and no one knows where she went until she returned to Woodsboro. And Dewey recognizes the background in one of the photos that Gail has because it's the same background in a picture that Jennifer just showed her from a headshot that she had done. Yeah, and she also says before this that uh, Roman's phone was cloned too. Yes, they, yeah. So we get uh, that, that, that Roman's phone was cloned. So it wasn't Roman that called um, Sarah. Yes. Uh, bodyguard Steve gets a call from Dewey saying that he should come back inside to watch Jennifer because uh, he has to leave. And then he asks where Steve went. And Steve says, he's just checking out Dewey's trailers as just so someone doesn't kill him like they did to his little sister. I'm glad that finally somebody addresses Yeah, Dewey. right. They finally <laughs> acknowledge it. And it's this piece of shit fucking bodyguard. That's stealing change from Dewey. <laughs> yeah. Like at that point, though, like, you know, if I, if, you know, if, if this was the call, like to actual Dewey, because we find out very quickly the caller is like, why would you say that? That makes me really, and then it changes to Ghostface's voice, and he just goes right after uh, the bodyguard. But honestly, like, I wouldn't have been surprised if Dewey just came out from the bathroom and stabbed him after that. Limping like, all the way. That was a line cross. My God. Yeah, this is another scene where how that person doesn't hear him talking in there. Yep. Yeah. That's what but it's even worse because like they're said, in a tiny trailer. Yeah. Black Christmas. <laughs> Maybe the uh, the voice changer has like sound dampening technology that we don't know about. No. Maybe. It's like noise canceling headphones. Listen, Brady, I don't think you know the technology from the 21st century. <laughs> yeah, I'm shooting at everyone tonight. This bang, morning. bang, 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 bang. I'm this tired. Morning, it's fucking nine in the morning. Someone's not doing cranky. this at 7 a.m. Shots uh, fired. Yeah. So then uh, when he uh, stabs uh, Steve, he like runs off. Um, then Not inside, Steve, he can't run. Yeah, Ghostface. Uh, that's how we know this isn't Dewey Ghostface because he can run in this one again. <laughs> um, inside, Dewey and Gail meet back up with everyone. Uh, everyone's like walking in from different parts of the house. Like, yeah. I hate that it's like, oh, it could be anybody there. Nobody was near each other, kind of thing. It's fucking stupid. Um, but uh, they all watch as like Steve walks in front of the open door to the house and falls on the ground dead from a stab wound. He's like looking at the phone, like, ooh. <laughs> Dewey confirms he's dead and then has everyone stay inside. But then he's like, oh, wait, no, run outside because the <laughs> lights are out. Uh, started um, feeling like a Scooby Doo episode. And then the phone rings. And this is another thing where people just, I guess, don't understand spatial awareness because, like, and we're sounds because everyone's looking at their own cell phone, like, oh, is that my phone ringing? They can't tell it's coming from inside a house. 
Like, I don't understand. Oh, you're um, getting too much into it. You're pissing me off. Oh, I'm getting too much into it, but you're trying to talk about how they don't know that people were killed in the theater during stab. Yeah, that's that's national news. I'm looking too far into it. Sorry. Uh, so they realize it's the fax machine, and then being faxed over page by page is a new draft of the script that says the killer is outside and grants mercy too. Then everyone runs out. Oh my god, they're so scared. But then they just can't help it. They want to know like what the script says. So Tom could what an actorly thing, right? They're in Hollywood. Um, yeah, right. Great writing. Tom runs back in. And he lights a lighter to read the final part of the script. And the killer grants mercy to whoever smells the gas. And then the house explodes. And he farts. Oh, yeah. Whoever <laughs> smelt it, dealt it. Yep. Uh, Got your ass, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. And the house explodes as Gail, Dewey, and Jennifer are jumping like over the railing out back, tumbling down the hill behind the house. You know, those Hollywood hills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dewey gets back up, hearing Gail calling out for him, um, and then he gets in sight of Gail and sees her standing near a vehicle where Ghostface pops out from behind and tries to attack Gail. How convenient, you know? Plot yeah. points. Uh, Dewey pulls his gun and starts shooting, hitting Ghostface multiple times, or seemingly, and uh, calls him to fall down and roll underneath <laughs> the, like a uh, vehicle. And then yeah. Dewey tries to go down, oh, being fucking so limpy as fucking trips again. <laughs> Somebody's like, no, I've seen Scream 2. Or, yeah, we're doing exactly what's in that. Yeah, I honestly think he fell again here. Like, he didn't mean to fall, and then he fell. Like, <laughs> He's, like, pretending to limp. So He's like, oh, shit, I'm going but, down again. Did yeah, you obviously, so, what? No, I was going to say, like, after just watching, and I'm not going to go into it too much, but, like, after watching Halloween Kills and a couple others, like, when people shoot at the killers at point-blank range and don't land a single shot, then you got Officer Dewey here who lands pretty much all five yeah, dead right? sternum, like, from uphill. I was like, okay, this is... This is good. And then Dewey just Dewey's himself. Well, if you've seen the new trailer, you know that Dewey likes to shoot his gun because he's re- emptying his empty uh, shells and reloading, you know? <laughs> what? I've seen it. I, I guess we could say <laughs> Officer Dewey do dropped the killer. There you go. Dewey drop. That's why it's like called it. Dewdrop. We could say that. But we won't. <laughs> uh, they go over to the vehicle to investigate. Again, always investigating in horror movies. Uh, and they find nothing. They have a nice little sentimental moment where that almost ends in a kiss, but is interrupted by fucking Jennifer. Who hits Dude, I, thought about, I thought they were about to get the threesome on there. He's going to kiss yeah. both Gales. He said, oh, I'm sorry, Gail. I didn't know that that was the fake Gail. <laughs> sorry, Gail. I didn't know that wasn't Gail. Yeah. Um, you guys have such good bangs. But Jennifer, like, hits... Dewey uh, for not protecting her and then Gail hits Jennifer who... my lawyer liked that yeah that's <laughs> one as much as I did best <laughs> scenes ever yeah it's good and then Angelina just comes like running up from the fucking bottom of a hill like a little bit away it's like and I, I don't know everyone's like how the fuck did you get over there <laughs> what I love about like um, when Dewey rolls down the hill is how obvious it was that it was a stunt guy looked yeah. nothing like him <laughs> Yeah, those shots are always the best. Um, Dewey notices another picture of Maureen, and on the back is written, I killed her. Dun, dun, dun. Dewey and Gail meet with Detective... Det- <clears throat> Dewey and Gail meet with Detective Kincaid about the picture, and Dewey and Kincaid get into a pissing match over whether, like, Sydney should be involved or not in the recent killings, or if, like... 
Um, I guess maybe it could be her or if, I don't know, if they should even call her up. But then after some threats from Kincaid, is that a threat? Is that a threat? Is that a threat? <laughs> uh, Dewey goes off to try to call Sydney. And as he's calling for like the 15th million time, uh, or it's fifth time, he says, uh, she just so happens to be walking into the station to meet Kincaid. Wow, what a coincidence. She's walking in right when they're trying to call her. Love movies, man. That's my girl Sid. Always showing up on time. Plot. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the group tries to figure out how the killer could get Sidden's number, and Dewey remembers that Kincaid <laughs> used his phone that one time. <laughs> Do you have her number stored in your memory? <laughs> yeah. It's like looks up and goes, <laughs> no, you idiot. That would never happen now. Like They'd be like, oh, do you have her number? Like, yeah, let me check my phone. Yeah. Uh, Sydney notices that the pictures on Kincaid's board of her are, are her mother and gets a bit upset that no one told her that the killer has been leaving them behind because, you know, it's her fucking mother. Uh, then on the studio lot, Martha Meeks, Randy's sister, just happens to pop up, you know, where the trio were uh, walking by, and she says, don't shoot, I'm only 17. 17-year-olds can't get shot, just to give you a heads up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, and then she, sorry, honey, you're in America. And then, of course, she sh- shows them the video that happened to be Randy, who pre-recorded a tape in the event that there was another killer with murders, meaning that it was a trilogy, and that gives him a new set of rules. I'll be honest with you, watching that video made me realize how much I miss Randy in this movie. Yep. Yeah, yeah but like, I miss the character, but I don't like this part. No, I don't. I'm just saying, like, watching it, I was like... That's it, this Rob. A, we're arguing. It, I don't like it. You do. It's a cheap way to put it. It's a cheap way to put Randy in there. The only way to tell do me it. it doesn't make you miss Randy the character. <laughs> it literally is the only way to put Randy in there because he's fucking dead. It, it could have started with a funeral. It made Dude. me miss him, but I also and like, felt and like and it just roll the TV. Can you imagine they're doing the funeral and they roll like the old TV carts out like we had in school back <laughs> in the day and just put the video in? Dude, I would rather Sydney like like realize that more killings were going on and she had a dream like she did about her dead mom like but it was just randy being like <laughs> sydney if this is happening this is a trilogy no i would rather that no i would rather that honestly um but you he says endorse what kyle just said but he says <laughs> you gotta i hate this part that's why i honestly What's rather good we're talking about 15 minutes <laughs> but uh you he says that you got a killer that will be superhuman Anyone, including the main character, can die. Sorry, Sid. That means you. Uh, and then the past will come back to bite you in the ass. The the best is in the beginning, though, when he's talking about how he lost virginity. And Dewey <laughs> says the girl's name. He said, yes, her. He's like, he's like, really? Shut up. And I'm like, oh, damn. We're, we're both closing late. We're stuck in the porno section. Oh, uh, that's uh, so Very good. randy. That whole scene's very randy. Good well, luck. they were getting randy, you know what I'm saying? Oh. All right, Kyle Powers. Uh, they send off Martha to like I don't I don't. They're just like all right, bye. How she got into the film set studio? Like I don't know. And then they just like all right, see. Ya. And she's like okay, and just starts walking like down. I think it's that again. easy, honestly. Yeah, well, I seen Jay and Silent Bob Shakes back, and it, it wasn't until it was. Yeah, it's like it's not it's not her trailer. Like she has nothing to do with that. She was just hiding in someone's trailer. Like there were murders on this movie set. How I did she, she was get in best janitor's security? closet? Was she? I don't know. Uh, I they, was like a oh, whatever. She just she sucked. They send Martha off, and uh, Gail goes off on her own to do some research, heading to the archive studio. And uh, she gets in with the help of Jennifer, who happens to walk up. Uh, who does, she says she's going to go wherever Gail goes because if someone's trying to kill her, then they'll probably just kill the real Gail instead. Yeah, good logic. Sound logic. Love it. Yeah, perfect. 
Um, and then in the basement of the archives, they find a lady who looks a lot like Princess Leia. Well, because, you know. But she didn't sleep with George Lucas. The other yeah, one did. That was, yeah. good. that was a good scene. Yeah, I like. See, Is I, that a I rumor like that. or something that happened? No, I don't think no, so. No, but there's, there's, there's just, just a lot of. Studios, there, she like was an un, things. She was relatively unknown when she got cast. So there is a ton of references to what women will be will have to do unknown actresses to get the big role yeah what do you mean that is what they have to do you know what i'm saying all right calm down kyle weinstein all right all right yeah we don't we don't Harvey endorse tell kyle, you. just we don't endorse what kyle said again Harvey birdman uh so they try to bribe her with 50 bucks to <laughs> tell them what they want to know but like the president the president <laughs> And then Jennifer offers up a ring that costs two grand, and uh, the lady gives in. Bianca, I think her name is. Yeah. Uh, she shows them the file on Rena Reynolds, which sounds like a porn name, honestly. So maybe that's the kind of movie she was in. Mm. Um, and it turns out that she was in a few of Milton's horror movies way back in the day. I guess that Milton was, he's a producer now, but maybe he was a director back then. Yeah. That's how that worked. Um, Sydney's in a bathroom. She hears a noise. She peers under the stall to see a pair of boots stepping up onto the toilet. She pushes open the door to find Angelina there uh, with what she says are props from the movie, making her look a little suspicious. But she wants some souvenirs since the production was shut down. Yeah. Because John Taffy came in and shut that shit down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. When she walks out the door, uh, so when Angelina walks out the door, Sydney, like, it's pretty much like right behind her because yeah she forgets a brush so she's trying to give it to her yeah and then she walks into the set of sab three where she finds a set of Stu's house and a recreation of her own room yeah i i love the scene where she like looks and she's like oh here we go again like wow like i i don't know just the when she the look on her face like the music they have i love this scene yeah it's the same face that she's making in the new scream trailer when she steps into Stu's house again she's got a creed poster in her room too I did uh, that. Creed's good, man. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of Creed in this movie. Mm-hmm. While in her fake room, uh, she hears a noise and turns to look out the window of the, like, the set. Um, and when she does, the door to the room closes and Sydney like, readies herself for the worst, getting her pepper spray ready, uh, blocking the door with the closet door, kind of like she did in the first movie. So I guess they got that pretty accurate, you know? Um, and it's funny how those things are just instinctual for her. Like, yep. Yeah. She goes right back into it. Uh, she focuses on slight movements from the door to the bedroom, and uh, she gets ambushed from behind when Ghostface, appearing behind her in the window, pulls her through. A struggle and a chase ensues, recreating some of the scenes from the first scream where she, you know, he pops out of the closet, she runs up the stairs, all that kind of stuff. Um, but this is where we get more of her like throwing shit down the stairs at him that yeah. exactly made fun of. Yeah, for sure. I forgot this part, like when she starts throwing shit down the stairs. I'm like, they did this two movies in a row, yeah. and then when she wheels the thing over to it, like kills <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, this reminds you of a scary movie. Um, uh, she tricks Ghostface, throwing him uh, eventually off the second story of one of the sets. Fake and, door. Yeah, and then onto a bed, and then she like cries out for Dewey. Uh, she stops when she hears someone whispering to her to come into another room. And she enters to find a recreation of the crime scene of Maureen's room after she was murdered. She hears Dewey enter the soundstage, uh, yelling out for her, but then she turns to find someone under a sheet with her mother's voice. I don't even remember what she's saying. Just like spooky shit. Uh, she said like that she doesn't 
deserve to be protected since Sydney never protected her. Damn. Yeah. Right to the heart, you know? Mm. Moms are like that. <laughs> yeah, she goes after her and she goes out the window, crashes through the window. That's and right. Falls that's right. Yeah. And then she falls like bounces floor. on the ground. Like she hits that, tur- that, that like fake turf. And yeah, you see just as she, just she hits the ground, the, uh, the cops come running in with Dewey to her rescue, and she's like, Dewey, the killer, he's in the house. And I'm like, he's upstairs. Heard, I was like, we've heard that before. He's and upstairs. So the guy that Brady hates, uh, he's like, all right, boys, let's, let's go get him. And they run inside. And like, while he's standing up in the window looking down at them, like, uh, there ain't nobody up here. <laughs> yeah, I thought, he was gonna, I thought he was going to die right there. When he, yeah, like a stab in the back. Right? Yeah, like, thrown out the window. Would have loved it. Would have been great. That, they should have no. did that to that guy. Remember, Wally is Wes Craven's frustration with horror films. Well, Wally is my frustration with this character. film. <laughs> You're an asshole, Brady, man. There's the, real, to Car- living. There's the real argument, Kyle. Me versus Brady over Wally. You can have Wally. That's fine. Wally. Wally. <laughs> Sounds the same. <laughs> okay. Did you ever disrespect the uh, real Wally like that? But the next scene is where we get something which I think is really, um, really kind of highlights the difference, the difference in calibers in the performances in the movie, you go to John's office. Um, and this is where we get Roman and John talking about the film. Roman's having a crybaby moment. Like they're going to take my film away. I work too hard, but like, I don't even know who plays Rome. I keep forgetting the actor's name. He's Scott Foley. Yeah. Scott Foley versus Lance Henriksen. Like the caliber of acting in this scene is so different. Uh, but yeah, this is the difference here because the two actors in the room, Lance Hendrickson is running circles around him performance wise. Like he's trying to give this like impassioned, like Roman's trying to give like this impassioned performance of like, oh, I'm film. I'm so tragically heartbroken, blah, blah, but like and frustrated. But Lance Hendrickson is still playing that cool, calm producer that is just wants this guy out of his room. Like he wants him out of this building. And in mid conversation, the dynamic trio busts into the office like i don't know how they got past security you know what they had to do to get in his office but um well dewey works on the set doesn't he yeah i guess so financial advisor so they go to confront john about rena reynolds and right away john's like yeah i don't really know anything sorry i don't know an actor with that name he's like yeah and then they're like and that's when i think it was gail that said right like or no it was was it gail yeah gail says we didn't say actor. And then fake Gail said, good one, Gail, or yeah, good catch, good Gail. <laughs> uh, They're the real dynamic duo, honestly. Yeah, they really and are. They threatened, yeah, they threatened to bring the cops into it more, right? That's what I remember. They were saying, like, oh, well, we'll just go talk to the police more. And he's like, well, wait a yeah, minute. It was the 70s. The Everyone was doing it. Doing, doing what? You know, she knew what she was doing to get what she needed to get. She didn't get anything she didn't bring on herself. Yeah. What what I get is that he invited her to a party where they were gonna do the Weinstein stuff, and she got Weinsteined and she didn't play ball afterwards. So she was kind of ostracized from Hollywood. Um, I mean Lance Hendrickson does like I said, he does a really good job of playing the sleazy producer. Like he's good at it. Like he's had experience. It's crazy that yeah, that the Weinsteins produced this film and like allowed this to be in it. Yeah, yeah they were doing this. 
And like Harvey was like, yeah, no, this is great. I like this movie so far. This part's really catchy, honestly. It's something <laughs> about you know it. why? They probably joked about this behind the scenes. Like, yeah, we're doing this. Like, fuck that. Like, no one's ever going to find out. Then well, I think this uh, was just 20... common practice to yeah. be like, you want to be in movies? You got to fuck yeah. us. And, yeah. And I think and it's then 20 simple. years later, the guy's like, oh, shit. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to do that stuff. <laughs> and it's almost like they insinuated in this that not only was she like, obviously like gangbang, but I think she was like raped. It wasn't like a. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they, like he trying to say like, listen, because he says a line like, you know, despite what she claimed, she knew what was going to happen. And no charges were brought on us either. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, so obviously something tragic happens and John is just, you know, mum about it. But this is where they switch back to the police station and. Uh, I kind of like this a little bit, but Kincaid and Sid are talking about the ghosts of trauma, mm. like how he, for him, she thinks, you know, Hollywood must be great for you. You grew up here. It's all glam and glitz. And he's like, nah, Hollywood is death for me. And like, obviously some of his lines are supposed to be red herrings, right? Like they're supposed to be like suspicious lines, like, oh, Hollywood's death. And even Sid's kind of like, what do you mean by that? Like, And also the way he delivers it. it too. Yeah. Yeah. And um you know, the, he kind of talks about like what he sees in Sydney. Like, listen, like you see ghosts too, don't you? And it's a kind of a spooky conversation, but it's like one of those moments where, like, and I don't know, I'm sure like everybody's experienced it once. Like, if you've experienced trauma and you talk to somebody who's experienced a similar trauma, there's almost kind of like an unspoken understanding sometimes between the two people. And I think that's what they were going for here. But um, I did like, you know, Sid Knight kind of leans in and she just, I feel like she's asking the question to test his reaction, but she's just kind of like, Hey, what's your favorite scary movie? Detective? Oh my God. And he's just like my life. And I'm like, that is a good answer. That is a very good response. Me. Yeah. But me it's corny too. as fuck. Too. I hated that. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's really like, it's, it's just one of those lines where you're just like, okay, like they're really pushing way too hard for us to suspect this guy. The only thing that would have made it worse is if Wally had said it. My life. If, if she was like, "What? What's your?" What's I would. Ex- I. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I would expect him to say it over Kincaid. Yeah, that seems like, like a Wally line. Like you almost, you almost expect her to ask, her to ask Kincaid that, and Wally to walk by the door and be like, "Working with this guy," and just like, keep, like having me walking. Like, you're right, but um, this is when uh, Sydney's phone rings. And I don't know. At this point, like Sydney should assume that whenever somebody's calling her, that it's it's murder she wrote. Like a hundred percent. Like it's she should just never have a phone ever again. Yeah. And I don't remember like exactly how the conversation went. I don't know if you guys like recall, but I just remember it being like real quick and to the point, like, hey, you know, uh and I'm this is like I'm I'm going to the right point right now. Or am I? Or am I jumping? I don't know what you I said. Think you're jumping. I might be well, jumping. Yeah. Yeah, I always complicate these two. Yeah. Um, it just goes to um, uh, Dewey and Gail and other right. Gail in the car, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I always complicate the two police scenes, like because they're both in the police station. Like yeah, my brain, yeah. like my brain is not functioning right. But yeah, this is right. This is when it goes to the drive and think, and the B team starts planning. Yeah, Dewey gets a call from Sydney that she's saying that she's gonna that she got a call from John Milton and he wants her right. to come over and talk about her mom and the past and she wants Dewey and the Gales to meet her there. Right, and that's when we get to the Milton Manor, mm-hmm. also the H two O home. 
Dewey, Gale, and Jennifer. They get to Milton's house and they're led in by Roman, who is seemingly drunk. And, you know, he uh, is waiting. They're all waiting around in the room, like him, uh, Tyson, and Angelina. And they are. Uh, Roman talks about like a secret viewing room that Milton supposedly has. And that's where they all did drugs and partied. And he wants to go looking for it. Tyson says they shouldn't go looking for stuff because, you know, killers out there killing people and uh, they shouldn't be splitting up. Obviously, you know, the most rational person, person. in the uh, group. And, he, you know, he's the black guy. He don't want to die because he knows it ain't looking good for him. Mm. He survived uh, pretty long so far, though. Like 90% of the movie uh, so yeah. far. Uh, so then when uh, he says they shouldn't go like off alone, Jennifer says, oh, I'll go with Roman, which I don't know. I feel like this movie, they like had a bunch of like, like cards and they're like, all right, let's put names on them. Let's start matching people up in random parts of the movie. This, these two haven't been together yet. These two haven't like, they do that kind of shit. I don't know. Um, because then like Tyson and Angelina say they'll go too, but they don't go with them. They go off like on their own. Yeah. They yeah. go somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and then Dewey and Gail are back together again and say that they're going to stay in the main room and wait for Sydney. Uh, Jennifer and Roman make their way to a staircase that uh, Roman goes down, finds a room full of life-size like alien-type prop <laughs> things, and then like a casket, leaving Jennifer upstairs yelling down at him. I don't know why mm-hmm. she wouldn't just go down there with him. Like I really think this is Wes Craven's basement. No, mm-hmm. I don't think so, man. It looks like it's definitely like it looks like a Hollywood B lot statement. Yeah, say, like basement. In the main room, Gail gets a hunch and has Dewey call the last number that was on his cell phone um, that called him. And they hear a phone begin to ring like in a closet or something nearby. Well, she says, do you have caller ID on your cell phone? What the fuck is that? Is that cell phones don't have that? I think that I don't know if they always did, did they? I feel like you always saw the number that pops up, didn't you? Maybe. I don't remember, honestly. I had a good question like 20 years ago. Um, but they find in the closet the cell phone, ghost face costume, and the voice changer with multiple voices. So I guess this is where they realize it could be literally anybody. Uh, Dewey leaves Gale with the gun and tells her to go find Roman. He's going to find the others. Like, why split up? Like, when you, like, I, like, I, I don't understand. They the already survived two so of these bad. movies. Let's split up. Um, but Dewey quickly finds Tyson, who says that he was following Angelina into a room and she, now she's gone. Gail finds the stairs that Roman went down, but no Jennifer. Um, she goes down, calling out for them, and then finds Roman uh, stabbed in a prop coffin. And Jennifer pops up, and the two run back upstairs into the main hall. In the hall, Angelina pops up out of a secret door, saying she found the secret tunnel. And then when <laughs> they say so that excited, Roman... she's like, "Come on, guys!" <laughs> yeah, but then they like tell her that I Roman's found the dead. And she's like, fuck this. So she starts running off and she says, I didn't fuck Milton to get a part in a movie where I die with second rate celebrities like you. Womp womp. And she runs down some stairs around a corner and right into Ghostface who stabs her dead, pulls her body off as Gail and Jennifer watch from the top of the stairs. That was a pretty good cutaway, though. I liked that. Like the whole body being slowly dragged. Yeah, I like that too. I like that. Yeah, I guess. It made sense that they had to do it that way if they were going to do those alternate endings where she was like the killer. Yeah, yeah, because you don't actually see it, so you just see her body get drug away. Yeah. yeah. And they just had to, you know, hope that Gail and Jennifer were watching. Otherwise, he just dragged her for no reason. Uh, hearing them scream, they meet uh, Dewey in the hall, and then 
when they tell him that Roman and Angelina are dead, he says that they'll be safer, safer together. Uh, but then Ghostface just pops up, punching Dewey, chases after them. Yeah, this is wild. This is, I think, one of the first times that Ghostface just straight up attacks a group of people. Like, yeah. Ghostface don't care. Walks in, I'm going to beat everyone. Yeah, he's got, all, he's, got, he's, a, he's got all the confidence that he's going to win no matter what. Yep. Yeah, and the chaos just ensues. And it ends with Jennifer uh, finding another secret door and Ghostface catching Tyson eventually, killing him by, like, throwing him off a balcony. The balcony looks like it's in Halloween H2O. Yeah. Can we just talk about real quick, like, props to the stunt guy who, when they pulled that rug out, did that flip and land on his neck like that. I think Mm. I actually thought Roman died at first from that. Like, the way he hit his neck and landed, I'm like, yo, did he just break his neck? I don't know. I've seen that in wrestling a bunch. Worse falls than that. Yeah, Uh, I think there was one where a guy fell from a rafters, right? I think that was Owen Hart, and I think he's dead, you fucking asshole. (laughs) I mean, like, when Brock Lesnar went to go do the fucking, like, um... The the, the the shooting star press and landed on his fucking neck. Yeah, you guys, you know all the wrestling moves, Kyle. You played WWE 19. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, Jennifer makes her way through the tunnel, uh, but it's cut off by Ghostface, who chases her up to like a hallway kind of thing behind one-way mirrors that are in a bedroom. So you could tell there's definitely some <laughs> freaky shit happening. Yeah, there. right? This is <laughs> a house of horrors People are banging, here. they're like out there jerking like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what Milton, I- bang her ass. Oh lord! Uh, what <laughs> what I liked about this part is um, it's kind of a to me was a criticism of Scream Two, like when Dewey was banging on that glass and nobody heard anything. Like this time, yeah, it's very clear. And Dewey's like, "Oh, look, Gail, someone's banging on the glass." I'm just like, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of just laughing to myself because I'm like, Dewey, I wouldn't. It, it just it's funny that like we all said in the last episode. That like you would hear or at least see some type of vibration. Well, he sees it, but like it, he would also hear it. It's just fucking glass, dude. It ain't like that's what I'm soundproof saying. shit. But then like Dewey doesn't shoot the one. Like Dewey shoot, starts shooting out the glass. He doesn't shoot the one that's shaking. He's like, all right, we're gonna do this methodically. I'm gonna shoot every single one, and the glass wouldn't necessarily shatter like that. Yeah. Um. So when he finally shoots the last one, like. Jennifer's body falls out dead onto the floor. But, dude, where did Ghostface go? I don't like, know. He bro. shot Down out the all the hall. mirrors. He did shot he... out all the mirrors that Ghostface would have had to walk back through. Like, did, as soon as the body fall, like Ghostface was just like slowly, like, like sliding back out another way. Like, I, don't, I guess maybe there's a trap door or something. We'll just call it. I was going to say maybe it's not the end of the hall or maybe he had a cloak on. Too far well, he's wearing a black robe. So, you know, he probably just blended in. He just put his hands over his face. Yeah. (laughs) Dewey said, I can't fucking see him. What is that glittering fucking thing in the light? What what the fuck is that? We all know Gail's bangs were in her eyes. Is that a a shiny Pokemon? (laughs) No, it was Edward. Scissor hands? Yeah. He shines in the light from Twilight. Twilight. You reenacted it, remember? I I didn't play Edward. Um, so they go out to the main hall again, calling out for Tyson, looking for him. And then Dewey decides to like split up again. And as soon as they do, Ghostface grabs Gale, uh, struggling with her until they fall down a flight of stairs, seemingly knocking out the killer. I guess Gale slightly too. Um, then Dewey finds Tyson's body outside by the pool and starts yelling for Gale. And then his phone rings. He answers it, and Gale tells him to come back to the door to the basement. The killer's unconscious at the bottom of the stairs. 
So he's hesitant because he's unsure if it's actually her until uh, the killer pops back up and she screams. He points his gun and he pulls the trigger to shoot, but it's all empty. Also, when he's on the phone with her, doesn't Ghostface like get up and move or something like that? He just is like this wild like twitch, but like yeah, like, like thing. Yeah, he like spasms. I'm like, wait, so he's clearly yeah. not asleep. So I think they heard us debating in part two in the car where is he really knocked out is he not and yeah. then they said let's make it painfully obvious that he's not and he's just acting yeah yeah but i mean like i don't know i guess this is why in the trailer for the new film do do we actually reloads his gun you're right he learned yeah it's probably that, that that's that's character progression uh so ghostface <laughs> takes advantage of the fact that the gun's empty and he throws his knife up the stairs at dewey which is Perfect. probably the most improbable thing ever too no perfect. so wild so uh, wild ah, he's right in the forehead he's the reason we have axe throwing you know that right yeah the butt of it hits dewey in the forehead causing him to tumble down the stairs landing at the bottom knocked out while the killer stands over the two of them and draws his knife this is where rob was picking up earlier we're at yeah, the station brain was dead sydney is alone in kim Cade's office and uh finds a big binder of like cutouts and info in Sydney uh, when she received a call from the killer. He tells makes, her not to draw attention. What? I said it makes it look like he's obsessed with her, like he's gone extra. But I'm like, but at the same time, I'm like, Cade. but that's yeah. what cops do. Good cops keep big files. Yes. Um, he tells her not to draw attention and to go somewhere they can talk alone. He tells her that he has doing Gale and that if she doesn't come, he'll kill them. She grabs a small gun out of the drawer of one of like the officer's desks. And uh, then she drives over to Milton's house. So question, real quick. Question. She's on the phone. This drives me nuts. Where do you want me to go? I'll call you when you're on your way. Where yeah. is she going to? Some place that you'll be alone. And she's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Because, like, How does she like, know she... where to drive? Yeah. She, she says. She's like, where am I going? Where do, you, where do you want me to go? And he says, I'll call you when you're on the way. How does he know when she's leaving? And where is she going in the right direction? If she goes the wrong way, she could add on time to this. You know, they're in L.A., a lot of traffic on the 405. Yeah. I might be getting too much into it right now, guys, but <laughs> no, I like that makes no sense. You know who else where... was probably helping? Wally. Wally was he probably the pizza. eyes in the crease. Well, he was eating pizza. <sighs> or was he? No, he was. They had, they're having pizza, weren't he they? He was, yeah. So Sydney arrives, uh, finding Tice at the mansion, I should clarify, finding oh, Tyson dead and is instructed to use the metal detector that's on the ground, like on herself. It reveals that she has a gun and she throws it into the pool, as told by the killer. Uh, she goes into the house to untie Dewey and Gale, but Ghostface pops up, hitting Sydney. When Ghostface goes to cut Dewey, Sydney pulls the second gun that she had hidden. So the first one was just a fucking trick. She tricked his ass. Way. Uh, just like a woman. Through. I'm sorry. Guess something bad to say about women? No. We're woman friendly on this podcast, Brady. I know you're new here. Fall in line, mother sucker. <laughs> it's too early for the shit. <laughs> Fall back. Uh, but then, like, uh, Sydney shoots him multiple times and he falls to the floor. She goes to untie Gail, but Gail notices that Ghostface is now gone and Sydney hears a noise. So she draws the gun again. And gets met face to face with Kincaid, who came looking for her after Tyson told him about the party earlier. How convenient, I guess, you know? Plots, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, after a brief standoff, he holsters his weapon, asking her to put hers down. And then when she uh, puts the gun down, 
Ghostface pops up behind Sydney, knocking her into a, the chair, making her feel a little woozy there. A small tussle ensues between Kincaid and the killer, and Sydney fires off her last shot, missing Ghostface, and uh, tells him if he wants her to come and get her. Come and get it. He said, get her done. I think that's what he said, right? Yep. Uh, she runs down the hall into the office, locking the door behind her. She notices like there's a secret door somehow like behind the bookshelf. So she goes eventually th- through it after pulling a bunch of books off the shelf. She finds the one that opens it. Um, it leads into the secret screening room that they referenced earlier where she sees some videos playing on the projector and she, a figure, I think of her mother, right? It's the videos of her mom. Yeah, playing. Yeah. Um, and then a figure covered in a bloody sheet walks out, talking in her mother's voice until it switches back to Ghostface and he locks them in the room with a remote. Now that's directly in the new trailer because they locked the doors with a phone. <laughs> that's good. She. Why are you looking at me for? I know you're looking at me. No, I was looking at Rob because he fucking breathed heavy into the microphone again. Was Fuck I really? No, just tell yeah. me. I'll, I'll stop breathing. <laughs> you know what? That's a good idea. Hold it for about five minutes. I'll stop stabbing when you stop breathing or something. Screaming. Oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah, got told I couldn't wear that to high school anymore, but I did anyway. You still go to high school? I did. I'm I do sometimes. <laughs> How else am I going to get all the ladies? Okay. All, all right. right. <laughs> red, red flag. <laughs> he gets a little speech about uh, what. He, get, he gives a little speech about how Sydney needs to come to terms with him and mother and that he looked for Rena Reynolds his whole life and finally tracked her down four years ago. He knocked at her door and he was turned away saying Sydney was her, her only child. Sydney asks who Ghostface is and he takes off his mask revealing him to be Roman Bridger, director and brother. Ugh. Awful. And killer. What a scream. It's going to be a screamer. There you go. <laughs> I think that was in the original one. Yeah, it was. He reveals how he took video of Maureen having affairs with Cotton and Billy's father and then showed Billy and gave him pointers on how to kill her and then, and then Sydney. Uh, but he didn't expect Sydney to survive and for them to make movies about her, the victim. Kind of crazy that he's like, hey, mom. And she's like, I don't want you. He's like, I'm going to watch you have sex with all these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Well, I'm recording your ass getting banged. That's it. What is that? The Oedipus con? Flex, for him, for yeah, him, that's a really weird making of documentary. Yeah. yeah. Um, at the time, at the same time, Dewey unties himself somehow. Magically, magically, he can do that now. Yeah. So they go over. The, they go over. Dewey unties himself, and then Gail go to Kincaid, and Kincaid is still wounded. and gives Dewey his gun, so and go says, him, "Go get this son of a bitch." Nice horror cliche. Love it. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts back to Roman and. Uh, Sydney, and then that's when he pulls. He brings out um, what's the guy's name? Uh, John Milton. Yeah, and tells Sydney that John Milton is responsible for the way Maureen turned out because they fucked her three ways to Sunday. And then Roman reveals he has a fake recording or a recording using Sydney's voice, um, saying that she's the one who killed John Milton. Yeah, and they're gonna find the recorder next uh, on his answer machine. Yep. And then he cuts Milton's throat. Yep. So this is what he kills Milton, and then he, him, and Sydney get into it. And Sydney's literally straight up just getting her ass beat by Ghostface. Yeah, yeah like this, this, this one's this movie's got way more beatdowns than any previous screen. Yeah, it is wild, like how much like 
they're just beating each other's ass, and then he finally gets the better of Sydney and beats her ass. Starts and choking I, her out. Yeah. Yeah, choking her. And then at this scene, Dewey finds tweezers. He's like, oh, okay. And then shoves him into the electrical outlet to and shut he, the lights he, off. He clearly shocks himself, too, because he's like, ah. Yeah. Maybe it fixed that limp. Uh, maybe. <laughs> it, it, it restarted the nerves. Yeah. But this is also Electri- the part that I was talking about earlier where, like, before they start duking it out, Sydney and Ghostface or, and Roman have that back and forth. And then she, yeah. like, starts, like, yelling at him to take responsibility. And he's just like, wow. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, he like, like freaks the, the fuck out. Yeah, he's like, no, no. And he's like convulsing, and then he jumps over the couch. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, then that's when he's like, I'm just going to beat you up now. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. And then good you see si- a good sibling rivalry. You see a lock getting picked, and you assume it's like Dewey, but then it, it's Kincaid that opens the door. Don't know it's why he's concussed, Kincaid. You're right, concussed. Um, and he comes in to help Sydney, but then is knocked out by Roman, who hits him with like what looks like a wooden chair or something. He just break it, it, like this is seriously like uh, like a, a WWE match. movement. Like yeah. watch out, watch out, watch out, and the chair yeah. just comes and just takes yeah. it out. Like it's so good. But like, unfortunately, I honestly think I have a whole theory that Kincaid is suffering from brain damage at the end of the film after the amount of times he's been knocked <laughs> out. So uh, yeah, he's he's out cold, and this is where like I can't remember if it's like. At some point, like Roman finds like that old, it's, it looks like an old like Western two shooter, like you know what I mean, like a double barrel small handgun. I don't know anything about guns. Well, no. he looks for like his main gun, realizes it's gone, but then he picks up a like Kincaid's small pistol. Well, yeah, because Sydney that, picks up the knife and right. says, do something. Yeah, it's like a, it's like an old two shot like ankle pistol. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a small pistol, and this is where he like Ghostface turns around and just pops Sid tw- like once in the chest and drops her found something yeah and then he just like walks up and sits like looking up at him and he tries to put the final shot and he shoots her point blank range right in the sternum and which Sid i don't just, know why he didn't do the head he's mm-hmm. an idiot uh, that's a lot of commentary on that in the scream franchise like they, normally they they're pretty good with that but this film not so much but so yeah Sid just like it's shot and then like does like a rollover like into fetal position right away yeah. and you are to assume that she's dead and then from the other side of the door, and then, then the credits roll. Um, <laughs> Dewey yells, and uh, Dewey yells, and Gail. Wait, Dewey and Gail both yell out. I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, they're like yelling the whole time while this is happening with Sydney and yeah, and Kincaid in there. But this time they're like threatening to like if if he hurts Sydney, then like they'll fuck him up or whatever. And they'll kill uh, him. Yeah. he makes sure that the door is locked, and then he turns back and he notices that uh, now Sydney's missing. He starts looking for her, ransacking the place and throwing things around, kind of like how Billy did, throwing yep. temper tantrums. But like then, it's bad because like he, he like he picks up a little end table that literally a five year old couldn't hide under, and he like looks under it and like ah and throws it. And I'm like, oh, damn, she's God. not under here. Yeah, like I it's swear she could have fit in under here. And we get shots of Sydney like crawling and grabbing an ice pick. I think she, old ice pick. yeah, I I think we get crawling in this one, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Okay, because I know it's also in the the alternative. That's why I still don't know the difference. I thought maybe that was one of them, but um, right. so Gail and Dewey uh, get to the other door to the room. There's two doors to the room, and they're banging on it, distracting Roman just a little bit. Whoa, they're doing what? Distracting Roman just they're a little. They're banging bit. on it. Yeah. It's, it's distracting vertically. <laughs> Vert- vertically, they're laying down vertically. Um, <laughs> uh, and then. Uh, he gets an idea to call Sydney, 
But then right as he's about to hit like call, she beats him to it, calling him, and it distracts him, and she jumps out, stabbing him with the pick. Like right uh, three, right? Yeah. Yeah, that like pick- she stabs him twice in the back with the pick, it looks like. Yeah, and I think she and, grabs the knife, right? Yeah, and then she, she grabs the knife, and she's sitting on top of him, and then she looks him dead in the eyes, and she's like, stab three, right? And then she goes for that third stab, and she gets him right in the heart. She can sit on me whenever she wants. Mm-hmm. And then Robin grabs Sydney's hand. <laughs> and it's as like, he dies. It's, they play that, like, that, like, haunting music they always play, and it's supposed to be, like, a, a moment, but you're like, why would there even be a moment here? Yeah, but I don't. It it's does. So it's, it's very, it's very forced. But yeah. that's when, uh, you know, Dewey and Gale bust in, and you know, a typical scream fashion. They think it's all over. It's all and over. Roman just shoots up like a crazy zombie, as is the Scream franchise, and starts charging at them. And Dewey just start like you would think Dewey would know by now. Like he starts unloading into Roman's chest and Sydney's screaming behind him, Dewey, head, Dewey, head. And finally Dewey's like, wait, what? And she's like, shoot him in the head. And he's like, oh yeah. And just pops one. And I'm sorry, but like, did he shoot him with a 50 cal? Like he got shot in the head and like went flying backwards. Well, also like, I get you have a bulletproof vest on, but this dude's been shot how many times in this same vest? <laughs> he got yeah, shot a- by Sydney a couple times. Yeah, you still feel it. It doesn't. Yeah, like, obviously, it doesn't. At go that through, close range, you're not yeah. you're not bouncing back like that. Like you're going down. Well, yeah. back to what Rennie said, the killers can be supernatural. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, we had so to get one, one last Winchester jump. brothers. We we, <laughs> we had to get one last jump scare out of it. So uh, Dewey finally puts Roman down for good. He puts out that Roman candle. I was also going to mention Mickey in part two when they shoot him a bunch of times, like. Uh, Gale and Sydney, like he goes flying back. It's just yeah. weird, like, it, but that was a very two thousands thing. Like when people get shot, like it's over dramatic, like flying back, or like somebody gets shot in the shoulder and do like a backflip. Yeah, like I don't know. It's just like, I mean, honestly, folks, you know, getting shot. There's 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 no real cinematic beauty to it. Like my dad got shot. Did he really? Well, Rip. he accidentally shot himself in the leg. Rip. Rip. That counts as gun violence in America. He was a cop. Statistics. And this is a quick story, but he was on the SWAT team. And um, my mom was pregnant with my sister, like eight or nine months pregnant. And so she told my dad, she's like, I don't want you on the SWAT team anymore. Like, that's too dangerous with the new kid coming. And you also got to be up all the time. Like, just stay regular shift. He's like, all right, fine. So because cops in that county didn't make a lot, he would do side jobs like re-shingle roofs on people's houses or, or paint houses or whatnot so he's like i'm gonna be gone for the day doing this side job and she's like okay so she and i were driving and we get pulled over by a cop and it's his sergeant and my mom was like oh no like brian's off doing a house today like we're in a, in the truck and he was like kelly i, I just got to take you to the hospital like brian's in surgery right now and my mom was like what like what are you talking about and he was like Brian is like in surgery right now. And my mom starts freaking out. She's like, Oh my God, he was supposed to be like painting a house. And <laughs> the sergeant was like, Oh yeah, no, he was at a SWAT team competition and <laughs> he went to reholster his gun, but he did it too fast and his finger was still stuck inside oh, and no. it just went straight through his leg. Right into the femoral artery. 
No, he, he it missed that. It missed Jeez. the bone too, but it just went straight through and he kept running and they had to tackle him and then take him to get surgery and what? Yeah. That's why you need trigger discipline, my guy. Yep. Yikes. Kyle to this that day the, the academy. To this day he's like, that. Yeah, when I got shot on the force, I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going with he shot himself on purpose so he can get out of work. <laughs> no. I'm like, you're about to rat this guy out, he's about to lose I all his money. Double today. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so then we cut back to Sydney's house and she's walking with her dog as Dewey and Gale. Like, or Dewey asks Gale to sign her book, The Woodsboro Murders. And when she opens it, she finds a ring inside and he proposes. She kisses him and puts on the ring. What the fuck did uh, Sydney do with her dog when she left? Because you see the dog earlier in the movie. And then. The same thing with the dad in the, the uh, closet for three days. I'm assuming yeah. that she. Ordered it up. Left that's it up. with Neil, maybe? Yeah, that's I true. Um, Sydney comes back through her gate without closing it, which is different from in the beginning. Uh, she comes inside without setting the alarm. Again, different. And then you see Kincaid and he tells her to come join because they're putting on a movie. The door opens behind her from the wind and she turns back, looks at it, smiles and walks away, joining them. Immediate black. And then the credits hit. And for the first time, without Ghostface popping up, supposed to be symbolizing what was supposed to be the end of the storyline for them. And that's it. That's Scream. Scream 3. So Kincaid definitely has brain damage. <laughs> yeah. So can we talk he, about one thing, though? He shows up with that popcorn. He's like, hi, Sid. We're watching a scary movie. Like, he doesn't even sound like the same character. And he's, like, dressed in his nice Sunday sweater and everything. And he's like, just, we're just Sid, we're going to miss the scary movie. And he just, like, walks off. I'm like. Yeah, she's like, what movie? She, he's like, we're waiting on you. <laughs> like, does she, like, does he have brain damage? And she just keeps him around because she feels bad. That's how you yeah. got a Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> They needed someone to do surgery on. Um, one thing I, is very confusing to me: why they never killed the guy Wally. <laughs> like, they he seems him? like a character that was just going to get killed. Oh, I thought you meant why? Why the the trio didn't kill Wally? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. <laughs> no, seriously, like he seems like a character that should have just been killed throughout the movie. Yeah, I know you guys. You would have liked that Brady, but he should have been killed off before the movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, he, he definitely was someone who was being set up as a target. Yeah. And then just never, I'm like wondering if they always kept him in the back pocket. Like, you know, wouldn't it be crazy if Wally was the killer? So, Kyle, what'd you know. think of the movie? So, Scream 3, admittedly, um, it's not as bad as I remember, to be honest. Um, I, it's been a while since I watched it. Um, but I feel like this up, movie guys. is great when it does Scream things. Like with Ghostface and killing, uh, but when it comes into like plot and reasoning for things, this movie really begins to fall apart. Um, this time around, I enjoyed the scenes like on the set a lot more. Um, I love the turning or the returning cast, um, of course, and then I love, like I said earlier, uh, Parker Posey as Jennifer. Um, the comedy, I guess. It hits all in the right beats besides that Jay and Silent Bob strikes back thing that they had going on with each other. Mm. Um, I don't really like that, but um, I feel like Jennifer's parts, like the way she feels overdone, it just feels like it's just enough to where it's not overdone. Um, I hate the part with Martha, Randy's sister, obviously talked about that. Um, I think it feels cheap, and I just think they shouldn't have had Randy in here. I also... 
can tell, obviously, that this one wasn't written by Kevin Williams, and the dialogue is not as clean and polished. Um, but uh, they definitely got a lot more right than I thought they did. Um, but it also, th- so this movie, I think, has some of the scarier elements to me. And I've always thought that. I think the part with Sydney's mom as the ghost is a really creepy scene. And then same thing with her on the sets in Woodsboro. Like that all, I'm glad um, Wes Craven like left it up to himself to put that in the movie. Because I feel like those scenes are some of the scariest in the movie, honestly. Or in the whole franchise, probably. Yeah, uh, They set a good environment for bringing this movie a little bit back into horror when I, it also is leaning so hard into the comedy. Um, the idea of Roman being Sydney's brother is fucking lame and boring. Don't like that. Not even a little bit. Um, I think I probably like him less than Debbie Salt being Deb, uh, Billy's mother. Honestly, I. Hmm. Um, the idea that he orchestrated—I mean, we talked about it a little bit, I think, before—but the idea that he orchestrated like stuff from the first movie is kind of really cheap, and it, it cheapens the idea of Billy and Stu being the killers. Uh, I always thought in my head that he also orchestrated the second uh, movie, but I guess he didn't. It was just the first one. And then consequently Debbie salt, of course did stuff to in revenge for Billy. But um, so that was nice. Like knowing now that he didn't orchestrate the second one too, because that would be really fucking awful for me at least. Uh, And I'm also like, I think Brady said earlier, I'm glad they didn't try to make Kincaid into like a romantic thing with Sydney. Um, but I also think it's really weird that he's somehow part of like the gang now just because he was like, an officer who was trying to take care of them yeah. on their case and now he's eating popcorn and watching movies with them. Like that feels so forced and it just doesn't feel I, that's awful writing to me, honestly. It feels like um, there's a missing subplot. Yeah, like he doesn't need to be part of their gang now. Um, I was originally after watching, I was going to give it a 3.5, but I'm going to give it a three, um, which is still higher than I thought I would give it to begin with, honestly. I thought this would be like a one and a half, two. So I'll give it a three. My favorite kill is definitely Sarah's, who is um, Sarah Darling, uh, Candy McCarthy. Um, I th- I love that whole sequence. I because like I get that's supposed to be like comedic with like all the props and um, I, I I know her kills a little lame, but it's more of that whole setting and the sequence. I, mm-hmm. I I actually enjoyed a lot more when I went back and watched it, um, even though it's quick and simple. And my least favorite is definitely Tyson. I wish they th- shown him like hitting the ground or something. I just felt like him like getting thrown off that balcony like wasn't enough yeah. honestly um i f- feel like it was a real missed opportunity and uh yeah so that's it for me um let's see i want to hear from brady um so kind of like you uh when i watched it again for this episode I think I liked it a little more than i remember liking it or some parts of it at least i always remember I think this is maybe the third or fourth time I've seen this movie Um, because I just, as soon as I saw it the first time, I was like, nope, don't like that. Hate that. And never really went back unless it was, you know, just on TV or because it had been a while. And I was like, maybe I'll give this a shot. That being said, I have a lot of the same issues that you do. I think that the whole twist with Roman being this brother that's never been mentioned before is just cheap writing. And I think it really just, um, it, it makes Billy and Stu just less scary 
less menacing because the whole purpose of that was okay well it could just be anybody at any time yeah and now it's like oh well now it's been this carefully orchestrated plot and where does it end where does it begin and i i just don't like that at all um i think the writing is just terrible in this and the only things that shine through are dewey and gail and i think that's just because of the relationship they had and then sydney that's just because Nev had been getting established at this point. And when you look at the rest of the cast, like she's the most consistent. Um, yeah, I, I do want to talk about the music because that's one of the only really good things about this movie. I mean, Marco Beltrami's back. So that's great. He did the score. A lot of the same stuff that he'd been doing, like you hear with Sydney's lament and you hear this haunting orchestral, type songs uh, a lot of excerpts he used from other um composers again like he didn't scream too so he borrowed a lot from broken arrow again and then you get to the soundtrack let's just list some bands here right so let's let's journey back to 2000 we got creed like it. slipknot love it we got system of a down like it we got static x okay now cold but... chamber incubus <laughs> fuel oh. orgy godsmack seven dust i mean it's just it's like they went out this is the era where they're like you know what <laughs> we're a horror movie so you know what we need we need every big rock band <laughs> in we the need world edge. right now. right we need very edgy and i mean like i've said this whole episode I, I fucking love creed uh and so the fact that they're in it was you know made this movie just a little bit better for me um i didn't want to be too mean in my ranking of this, but it's it's a two for me. Uh, even after watching this, I, I don't think I'll go back and watch this unless it's been five years and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I need to give this one another try or if we do some other episode, but it's just nothing ever really changes in it. And I just find more things that get me upset. Like this time around, I was like, well, maybe I'll just go in open-minded and really hope that the twist will make a little more sense to me. And even if the twist kind of makes a little sense, his performance, Scott Foley's performance is just, too over the top and too out there. Then I'm like, all right, is the killer like stupid? And then again, like I said, it, it's just then you watch the original Scream and you're looking at it through the lens of like, oh, okay, well, Roman Bridger really orchestrated all this, so none of this really matters. So yeah, for me, it's a it's a two. Dang. And fucking Wally brings it down. Fuck that guy. Favorite uh, what, kill, least favorite kill. Uh, favorite kill is definitely between Sarah and Cotton just because I, I like the cold open with cotton, but I think Sarah's kill is the best kill in there. Um, least favorite kill, probably Tyson or Angelina. And Mark is showing some stanky legs. So I'm going to yeah, no. <laughs> have Mark come up real quick. <laughs> um, so I've always said I've liked this movie more than the second one, which I still think it's true. Um, there's a lot of good things in this movie, but like Kyle and Bertie have said, like the writing does fall flat. Like um, with some dialogue, it doesn't feel like the main cast feels good. I guess like the rest of the class cast, like their writing doesn't feel as polished. Maybe it's because they're not as good actors or, but it doesn't feel like they it honestly just felt like they had handed the script right there, read it on screen right there. And that was the only time they ever read it a lot of times, but that could just be the movie's, um, writing that's there could be their fault, and the, I want to like 
the ending more than I I should I like I don't like it as much as I sh- I want to like it I should say I I think he just um, Roman tries to be Billy from Scream One where he's like freaking out and I don't think they do a good job with that the I like how they they ended the movie like it comes full circle basically I know you guys say it's cheap it cheapens Scream One and but I think I like it how they close it. Like it's okay. It just comes full circle. It's over. That's it. There's nothing else about it. Um. But then, and then I think about it, and I'm like, I, I like Scream One so much that it kind of pisses me off a little bit. But then I understand why they do it like that. Um. I still think this movie's better than Scream Two. Obviously, it will never be better than Scream One. Maybe it'll be better than Scream Five. We don't know. We'll have to find out in a couple of months. Five cream. What was that? Five cream. Five cream. That's what some people are calling the new one. Oh, really? Didn't know that. In the in the know. In the know. That's not me. I do, <laughs> I absolutely love the scene when Sydney goes back and she sees like Woodsboro again, like Stu's house, her bedroom. Like I just love the way the look on her face is. Like I've always liked that. When I was a kid and I saw this in theaters, which is years and years ago. Um. I thought this was like the best movie ever. I'm like, this is so fucking good. I can't believe how good this movie is. Like, oh my God. And when I got older and I saw it and I'm like, it's not that good, but it's still good. It's weird. I have a love-hate relationship with it. It's good. Um, I give it a 3.5. If I, I would give it a four if the ending with, I cared more about him being the brother. Like, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't, I'm like, all right, whatever. It could have been anyone I that could have been the killer or whatever. I don't, Another thing I don't like about this is they didn't do enough of, like I said earlier, like, oh, this person could be the killer, this person could be the killer. They, they didn't do a good job with that, I don't think. In the second one, they did too much of it, and this one, they didn't do enough of it to me, at least. Like, I never once felt that uh, Angela was, like, going to be the killer. I'm like, this girl can't be the killer. Like, there's no way she, they can make her the killer. So, my favorite kill is Sarah, like you guys. Um it, it was either between that or Tom because I just like how they just like blew his ass up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> my least favorite Nick kill. Yeah, that's yeah. They definitely spent a lot of money on that. It doesn't look like watching through it real quick. It doesn't look like it's fake when it you know it doesn't look like it's CGI too bad. My least favorite kill is Lance Hendrickson. I don't know why I said his name. Um, is John Milton? I just mm-hmm. feel like he slices his throat and just throws him down, and there's like no blood, nothing. <laughs> they I don't know how that. that w- I don't. I don't know how it would work in real life, obviously. But like in other movies, when people get their f- throat cut, it's like fucking spewing out. Yeah, they. Uh, Scott Foley said that, or Wes Craven was saying that they weren't expecting Scott Foley to just like throw him like he did, <laughs> but he threw him like full force, and that Lance wasn't even expecting it. <laughs> Scott Foley's like, maybe I broke his arm or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Oh my God, the way that feels, I don't know. It just didn't. He just slid his throat and just that was it. It was over. There was like no blood or anything like that. So I, I always dislike that kill. So Scream Three better than Scream Two. Rob, what do you think? Um, mine's gonna be pretty short and sweet because Mark, you kind of summarized a lot of what I thought. Uh, we're on a roll here. Mark and I are agreeing a lot. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this is definitely a three point five for me. Um, I like it better than Scream Two. What holds it back is essentially what Mark said is that there are some plot points that don't really f- come to fruition. They fall a little flat, specifically our investment in Roman being the brother and the whole Maureen Prescott family debacle. Like, And also, I go along with what Kyle said. I don't like how it cheapens Stu and Billy a little bit. I really don't like that because 
to me, Scream 1's such a masterpiece. It's a great, 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 great piece of cinema. And you didn't need to add anything to Stu and Bill. Like, they were their motivations. Everything made sense. The commentary on horror movies and all that stuff. It was great. I agree. Um, you know, so it did. That's why it got knocked down. They could have gone the route of Roman watching from the wings and like saying, you know, when I saw that happen to my mom, I felt relieved that she was gone and like I felt happy she got what she deserved. But then you, her precious little child, everybody loved you and I still didn't get anything. Like they could have gone that route and left Stu and Billy out of it mm-hmm. and it would have yeah. been fine. It would have worked. I agree. Um, so I just didn't like the way that it kind of took away from Scream One. Um, that being said, it's a lot better than I remember the last time I watched it. Um, I don't care for most of the supporting cast. I love Wally. That's my guy. <laughs> that guy's such a loser. <laughs> I love I love his stuff. The Jay and Silent Bob stuff like feels out of it. Feels forced. Um, it takes you out of the movie for a little bit. But most of the comedy lands pretty well. The comedic scenes here and there. I like them. I had I had a good laugh. Uh, my favorite kill is actually the complete opposite of everybody's is Tyson's. What? I just love the chase sequence and like how he just bolts out that room and goes, he's like, hold on, let me get this guy real quick. And just the way he pulls that rug out from under him, he does the back foot and slams his neck. And then, you know, I do wish Ghostface like it showed him falling and hitting the ground. Honestly, what would have sealed the deal is even if Ghostface did a little bit of a Michael Myers head tilt, like, threw him off the balcony, hit the ground, then cut the ghost face looking down, doing a little hell tit, like, huh, I guess that worked. But nonetheless, I liked it a lot. My least favorite being Angelina. Um, it's a cutaway kill, and the only nice thing about that is, like, the drag away. Mm. But at least everything else is top-notch. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's Scream 3 for me. I think it was... I think it, it is a good, fun horror movie, but... Um, it does not live up to its origin story. It's part one, um, but it does successfully eclipse part two for me. All right. Well, that's Scream 3 in a nutshell. And um, for our next movie. Well, that's the end of the, the trilogy. That's it. No more, no more Scream, right? Yep. Billy Mays here with another edition <laughs> of Scream. But wait, there's more. Coming soon to a theater near you. So the next movie, obviously, is Scream 4. Favorite scary movie. Someone is recreating the terror. Two girls killed the exact day Sydney Prescott chose to return to her hometown. Someone is reinventing the game. Name the remake of the groundbreaking. Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead, the new Deadlines, Amityville Horror. It's one of those, right? None of the ever. You should have seen the look on your face. Radar. And uh, we have no new rates and reviews. Sweet Tone still never, Sweet Tone 83 still never claimed their stickers. Let me know. Um, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at vintagehorrorpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at vintagehorrorpodcast, Twitter at vintagehorror underscore. And if you go to anchor.fm slash podcast, you can leave us a voice message. And if we get enough of those, we'll play them. Again, you can tell us anything. We suck. 
we love us. Tell us how in third grade you pissed the bed and then your mom slipped on a puddle of piss and broke her back. Or like every character, or like every character in Scream Three hit their head on something and was unconscious for a moment. Mm -hmm. And that's it for us. See ya. Peace.